Welcome to episode 85 of the Movie City Maniacs. On tonight's episode, we'll be going through our top 10 film discoveries of 2020. Welcome to the Movie City Maniacs. I'm uh, Maddie. I'm Kyle. Uh, I guess I'm Adam. And we are here to talk about discovering ourselves <laughs> <laughs> and movies and friendships and laughs along First the way. First loves, boils. <laughs> yeah. Top uh, 10 boils of the year. <laughs> <laughs> no, guys, we're doing a first for this uh, show. It's our uh, top 10 discoveries. So this is going to be our 10 favorite films that we watched for the first time last year but not necessarily from 2020. So these could be films from any year, just top 10 films we watched for the first time that we loved. And then we'll follow this up with our yearly tradition of the top Top films of 2020. We were kind of going back and forth whether we do it the same way we did that one where we would do 10 horror, 10 uh, just kind of general picks. We ended up going with just one uh, top 10 list because I think that's all that's needed. This should kind of stand out mm-hmm. separate from those lists anyway. But it did make it hard. And when we do get yeah. to our list, I'm going to probably cheat with a couple honorable mentions, just a couple. Yeah, I'm, I might have, <laughs> I, I'm just going to go with a couple probably. I don't know about you guys, but I had an amazing year for discoveries. Yeah, like I, I had a narrow, there was other films, but I had like 30 films that I wanted to, talk Get about out of here i had a hard time because i rewatched a bunch just because i was at home you wanted your comfort doing food nothing so i like all right i'm just gonna go down my collection like i'm gonna watch this i'm gonna, I'm gonna this. see three ninjas again i want to watch <laughs> the entire collection of three ninjas <laughs> i found i did like all the uh, aliens i did all the uh, mission impossibles i did all the harry potter so, so what actually, do you do next yeah that's exactly it three, three ninjas. ninjas three ninjas kick back and three ninjas knuckle up or something yeah yeah and then they did the f- isn't there a fourth one with hulk hogan like something mountain or something probably <laughs> Thunder Mountain or something. So you had 30. Yeah. I, I narrowed mine down to 55. Oh, that's okay, crazy. Wow. Like, wow. It, I think it's one of my best years since maybe I was in, in college in that's terms insane. of discoveries. I guess we did have um, trying to find our uh, best horror movies of uh, the uh, last decade as well. I'll spoil which is... none of the horror I'm going to talk about. Oh, wow. Um, I, will, I will say I actually only have two horror in my list, but they're not two... All the other movies in my list were actually part of the Shocktober series. So if you guys didn't get a chance to check that out, if you go to our, our last mm. episode at the end, we kind of went through the highlights of that month. So if you're wondering why there's not a lot of horror on my list, most of those were covered then. I, I, I Those all, I also are in that 55. Yeah. There's a bunch of them. But even without that, like it, it was a tough bar to get yeah. there. Like At yeah. the end, I was going in between... like. Five things that I one that it was a horror movie that I just like I I had to pick something that felt right and also my list I it was very hard to order yeah yeah same I was doing like some ordering kind of right near the end there reordering I will say I mean I don't want to spoil too much but like getting through all these 2020 movies and not enjoying those best of list. <laughs> Like then going to this and it's like, oh, I love all these movies. This was like hard to yeah. put together because, I mean, obviously, you know, you have however many years of film to talk about. Go, I guess, I don't know, my earliest was maybe the 40s, maybe. So I think mine is as well. I, so I might have one 80 years of film yeah. to, I, uh, to go 61 through. 61 is a. 
but um, look at that. He's he's on it, Maddie. <laughs> wow, Maddie's just faking us out. Yeah, like he a- usually has his notes written on a napkin that he can't read when it comes down to it. It's, it's the same bloody napkin. He just keeps <laughs> finding corners. Yeah, exactly. Um, I care about the trees, guys. <laughs> It's sentimental value, that bloody napkin. I don't know what you did to that other guy. You don't want to know. Now, do you guys want to talk about the honorable mentions at the beginning? Because we could technically do it differently this time, because usually you don't want to do it at the beginning because you're going to spoil, in this case, you know, who the fuck knows your list could be limitless so you're not really spoiling much by saying these ones didn't make it. I thought it, it, you know, kind of be fun to switch this one up. How do you guys feel about that? Yeah, that sounds awesome. Get them out of the way, and then you know, because I find too sometimes at the end we go through all the all and then we're and exhausted. It, yeah, so <laughs> let's let's get it all out now. Um, who wants to start this list off? You want to start off your honorable mentions? Yeah. First? Okay. First, I'll say Cat in the Canary and White Christmas, two kind of films that made me kind of think like, ah, like I need to check out more Bob Hope, and uh, I guess it'd be Bing Crosby and yep. Danny fucking K. Yeah, like they were just kind of fun comedies from that that time cat in the canary is kind of like a a gothic uh haunted house with Bob this Hope. would be an <laughs> honorable mention and white me christmas well. i hate musicals and i didn't like necessarily a lot of the music the in that that was the worst part but the the kind of witty banter between uh danny k and um and uh bing crosby i uh i really enjoyed so i'm kind of curious to check out more of those bob hope i've already like i went and ordered all his like i guess he did these road to series of films with who is it is it him and big crosby it's him and big crosby so i think they did like six of these films there's like road to utopia i I think maybe even i think there might be like 10 of them okay i i ordered a bunch of them they were part of the kino sale so i'm kind of excited to dive into those are we gonna have a new segment called the hope diamonds that you're gonna like do (laughs) maybe maybe uh Ninja Scroll I wanted to give um, honorable mention to just because I've never really checked out any anime. It's not really my thing. Mm -hmm. When I see previews and it's a bunch of like naked high school girls and tentacles coming out of their vagina. Actually, no, that does sound awesome. But uh, (laughs) Isn't that a tattoo that you have or no? But yeah, I've never really checked out an anime. I had to watch this for part of the film club I have at work and I was quite surprised. It was kind of like Lone Wolf Wolf and Cub, but in anime form where it's just a samurai going from location to location fighting all these different like a snake bad guy, various bad guys with different powers. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, Murder by Death was a really fun, kind of like a Clue-esque uh, murder mystery. I will say there's some racy or racist <laughs> things that would not fly in this day and age. So, I mean, if you can look past that. Yeah, it's just it's like all, a bunch of actors from that time. It's 1976. And I just had a blast with it. And the house, too, has all these like secret contraptions and compartments oh, awesome. and everything and i don't know i, I think uh it's it's kind of an underrated one uh, another underrated one is the hot rock um this is a heist film i don't know if you guys have heard of this one with robert uh, redford i i saw it when you you watched this and posted it on letterbox and i read about it a little bit it sounds really yeah. interesting it's kind of like this weird like it's comedic like i think the end has like a hypnotist or something but it never goes like it never it never feels like like full comedy full parody it's kind of like it's like a serious heist film that's a little bit goofy, but I don't know. I really dug it. Like they pretty much go in, they have to steal this diamond, but then something goes wrong and the guy gets arrested. So then they break him up, but then they find out he had to eat the the diamond so it didn't get caught and it cracked it out and then he hit it in this spot. Like, so it's like everything they keep on doing and something goes wrong and it just keeps on like getting and bigger and bigger. And, you know, then they have to break into the police headquarters and this and that. I don't know. I, I had a lot of fun with it. I love heist films. So if, have if you that's watched The thing, Sting? I don't. I, I own Redford it. I, 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 yeah, I own it. I'm trying to think. It's one of those ones where I was thinking about that the other day. I have it in my to watch pile, and I'm like, did I watch it a long time ago? And I just don't remember. 
But um, I'm gonna watch it soon. Yeah, if you like that sort of thing, that's, yeah, I, I, I'm a Griffin? sucker for heist, yeah. heist films. And then the last two I just wanted to talk about um, for honorable mentions is Laura and The Killing. Oh yeah, I was blown away by both these movies. These movies were on my top ten until like later today, where I was just like, this whole list is noir. <laughs> <laughs> last year, I kind of discovered noir. I think I seen Maltese Falcon like the end of 2019, but I really got into it in 2020, and like it was just like amazing film after amazing film i know maddie you haven't really checked it yeah. out but i think you need to like get, get like the five it. or six watch those and like if you're not blown away like i'm just kind of like i'm buying everything i think i went from like i owned one or two in 2019 and i think i have like 30 or 40 now and i i, I think almost for you i've been noticing like you've been watching like these crazy like yeah. all-timers that for me would be, a, a lot of them would be my top Hundred movies yeah, of all time, yeah. and then when you you're watching stuff, sometimes that maybe is one rung down. I bet if when you go revisit after you've watched like yeah, hundred yeah. others, they'll also stand out because I, I almost envy you because he's got the whole like. Gamut well, I kind of envy Maddie now. Yeah. <laughs> like Laura is incredible. Yeah, and Laura even and though it's early Vincent Price, by the way. Yeah, yeah. And, and he's amazing in it, and uh, Gene Tierney is incredible in it. The score is incredible in it. Um, it's one of those those movies too there's kind of a, a twist that happens and re-watching it doesn't hurt it because then you're like you're mm-hmm. getting into that flow early, it. earlier it, it's it's so well done yeah again like both these are amazing both these could possibly be in my top 100 it's just again i didn't want to fill this list i had some other films that i wanted to talk about and i liked so those ones mm-hmm. did not make it but they could have easily made it anywhere in this list um so those are my honorable mentions i guess before i get to number 10 do you guys just want to throw out your honorable mentions or do you guys have any or no i was going to talk about spellbound but i'm like ah, you know we've talked about that like uh earlier but that was such a cool movie it was the first time watch for me it is right so i forgot good. that was the yeah. first time uh so good cool well i i i got a bunch i'm gonna just really go down, down. It pretty quickly uh our good friend jordan mitchell had recommended this movie like two years it's not that old it's patterson the adam driver uh yeah vehicle. uh and i just loved it i love the flow of it mm-hmm. I, I i love adam driver in it. it it's maybe my favorite jarmusch of like the last quite a while yeah it's been a and, while. And, and like lovers uh Only lovers live yeah left alive like is, is great as well um modern romance by albert brooks i actually have that to watch in my uh, i it's been seeing my watch power for a while i'm gonna i'm gonna get to it soon albert brooks is fucking king yeah, yeah. well i just watched him in um uh, what was it was it broadcast broadcast news, news? Yeah. which i was i love that movie i think that i couldn't put that on because i think that was 2021 oh i thought that might have been this year i thought you maybe would get um, to talk about because i also had that one this this year yeah let me just fuck because if, if i did i forgot is about that your it. first time watching broadcast this year so broadcast news was one of those movies that i i i we were watching and i'm like i remember this scene like oh i'm I think I caught it on TBS yeah. a bunch of times. That's- oh, I'd watched it December 29th, 2020, so I could have included it. Oh, shit. It. Damn it. Well, that's not what I'll mention then. Yeah. <laughs> I really enjoyed that movie. That might have made my top 10. Fuck. It's good. It's it's yeah. great. And he's he's great in it. And uh, William Hurt is excellent. And then Holly Hunter. Holy. That's like, what a performance. Maybe yeah. next year we'll get to talk about that yeah. one, one if we do this again. Cause, but Modern Romance is just got like, it's just hilarious. Albert Brooks, I wish he did more. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's the kind of guy, again, I, I, it seems like I never really saw anything from him. Now it's like kind of I'm finding out about all these films and I'm enjoying what I'm seeing. So. I just re- I watched Lost in America this week and it's it's incredible That's another too. one actually I have to my, in my to-watch file, the Criterion I picked up. Yeah, that's an, that's one I, 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 when we rewatched, I'm like, I saw this as a kid, but it's like yeah, faint. Like, quite was remember. I six years old or yeah. something watching Lost in America? Yeah. Uh, Holiday with uh, Cary Grant, which I talked about on our Christmas special. Really, really like that. Heather's, which I also yeah. kind of talked about because Maddie had mentioned. I can't believe I'm. I'm so disappointed. I never saw that when yeah. I was younger. Um, certified copy, which is one of this incredible deconstruction uh, about duality in film. It stars Julie Binoche, who's been like someone that I've got to watch a, a bunch of her stuff this year. Uh, Blue also, which is part of the Three Colors trilogy, which if we did this next year, one of the colors would definitely make. It's really like heady and had me thinking for a few days. Trouble in Paradise, which was my first Ernest Lubitsch, who was a big comedy director from the 1930s, just has his own like beat and rhythm to everything. I can't wait to watch more from him. Uh, American Werewolf in London. Uh, which we talked about on Shocktober. It was another one of those movies where I've seen aspects bits. of bits of that over over time, but never like that was the one thing growing up as for us as kids. Yeah. You would just like, oh, I missed the first ten minutes. Whatever, yeah, I'll holiday, check out this movie. Yeah. Um, Mr. Hulot's Holiday, which is another Jack Tati, who I, I love. Jack Tati is this filmmaker that has again his own kind of comic style that barely plays. With dialogue, but it's all these amazingly intricate set pieces. I like that a lot. And uh, The Player by Robert Altman. All right, that's another one um, I want to see. I haven't seen that. Uh, it starts off with just an incredible, incredible opening opening shot that's also hilarious and very satirical. Um, I've been an Altman fan for a long time, but I haven't really watched a lot of his 80s and uh, early 90s stuff. Uh, and the last one, which was on my list until about... 10 minutes before we started this, uh, Dogville, Lars von Trier, which he basically has these Breckian sort of setup. There's no actual houses. All the stuff is uh, chalk lined out on the ground. Huh. Stars Nicole Kidman. Um, it, it was a divisive one in my house, but it, it, now we're into the thing where it's like, that's that's like a nine out of 10 oh, yeah? sort of deal for me. Um, uh, yeah, uh, wonderful movie. Anyways, th- those are my honorable mentions. Awesome. Cool. And, and like, I could have talked about 30 more yeah. movies. And, yeah. and, and, and like, I'm this excited about my honorable mentions. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. Yeah, like, I, I had so many great ones that I felt bad late leaving off too. But, you know, what can you do? What can you do? All right. <laughs> my honorable mentions are, like, written on a cocktail napkin. Uh, Count Yorga? I wouldn't have it any Absolutely other way, loved Maddie. it. Absolutely loved Count Yorga. Is I, that the first time seeing Count? First time. Now, did you watch the sequel as well? I didn't. Yeah, uh, I didn't get around to it. But like, you, yeah. you, I, you got both. I right? got both. Yeah, the return and uh, how charming is that? Like Vampire, by the way. Yeah, I, I awesome. love the Count Yorga. Uh, Dark yeah. Waters. Uh, what's that? It's like a um, Swedish film about this girl going into like a uh, Sp- is it Spanish? Spanish. Spanish, yeah. Spanish. About the girl going into like this uh, church island. That yeah, that was amazing. That's victory. that's one that probably like yeah. honestly. I bet if I really d- dove deep into this, it would be a hundred deep. I had a great yeah. year of watching yeah. movies. Right? How great was that? And uh, uh, May by uh, Lucky McKee. Like, have you seen this? The, is this the one with uh, like the horror movie from like early two thousand? You got it. Yeah. The first time seeing it, fell in love with Lucky McKee after this movie. Like, I, did you know the? Because uh, what's the actress? Angela. Angela. The um, Angela Bassett. 
Is it Bassett? No. no. An- Angelica. No, 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 no it's no. not Angelica Houston. No, I forget the Stella name Stella Garada Groove Rack, right? Like, <laughs> I know it's uh, the girl who's married to Chris Pratt. I forget her name. Who's in like the uh, scary movie is the... Uh... Angela uh, Bettis. Yeah. Oh, Anna Ferris is who you're yeah, thinking of. Is, I, think yeah. Angela, I think she did a sequel that she directed. Called June? And Lucky McGee stars in it. Huh. And it's kind of like a reverse. Oh, it wasn't her. Really? Uh, oh, maybe you're right. Actually, yeah, Roman. Yeah, he plays a lonely young man who's trying to find love, and it's kind of like this weird. I think it's like really low budget and stuff, but might be worth checking out if you yeah, Doug, yeah, uh, I, I, may. I saw. I I remember seeing this about ooh, thirteen years ago, and never, yeah. it never, it didn't. Li- and it was at that point, it was starting to become a big cult thing, and it is. I've click, never but. seen a movie kind of that had the same. Pacing the same shots that this did. Like I thought it was such an interesting, slick movie. I may, I may go back mm-hmm. to that one. I this Shocktober. All right, and that's my. Uh, I have a ton more, but yeah, they're all bad. Yeah, they're all. <laughs> <laughs> he had that Hulk Hogan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I actually had like ninjas. like a little Three Ninjas kickback. The Littlest Ninja. <laughs> I used to love Three Ninjas, man. Yeah. Who was it? Rocky Tum Tum. Tum Tum. Was it Tum Tum or Tum Tum? Tum Tum. Rocky Tum Tum and. I saw that for somebody's birthday in the summer. You know those birthdays that, if you had a summer birthday, they didn't really exist? Yeah. Like those kids? This one Mm. somehow got to exist, and it was by going to see Three Ninjas. Nice. I remember they advertised as like, Home Alone had nothing, because there's a scene where the these bumbling guys break in the three ninjas have to fight them off i remember like kind of being like i kind of that's a film i want to revisit from my childhood because mm-hmm. i think i watched karate kid and that was awesome and uh yeah no that film does not hold it doesn't <laughs> I was, hold up yeah right? i was about to say uh, th- this one uh, i saw a clip online it's where, very like goofy and it was like oh my god humor. this looks yeah. way worse yeah. that in sidekicks remember sidekicks with chuck, chuck norris, norris. Uh, I, i'd see i, I could see that that's kind of more was like Joe karate Piscopo kid though. in that like Three Ninjas oh. is like really, really that goofy kind of like '90s family humor. I don't think you're that the... far off with Sidekicks. Uh, okay, but I, uh, I have to see it again. All right. Um, anyways, <laughs> yeah, we'll do a Sidekicks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we'll do Sidekicks. We'll do Three Ninjas, and we'll do uh, well something else. Okay, so my number ten discovery of 2020 is Oliver Stone's 1988 talk radio. Oh, with uh, uh, Eric Bogosian. 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 It also has Alec Baldwin. Uh, who else is in there? So here's a question. I watched this in high school, in actual an actual class. Okay. That seems like a mistake, doesn't it? Why? Like I have, I, I well, just like not that oh, it's a bad well, movie. Sorry, like not a film class, like a just a high school. Class. It was like a, an English class. Yeah, it's pretty. Or it's media pretty. Class. Uh, I don't know, man. This film, have you? Have you seen, I haven't seen this. This film is fucking like from frame one. It's tense. Like it doesn't really like. Because he's kind of this shock jockey, like he kind of gets off on the negativity that the listeners like. He doesn't care about some listener calling and praising him. He wants to like piss off the listeners, yeah. And like, so it's, it takes place over two nights. You have the first night, and you kind of see a bit of this, and uh, and then he's he's. I guess the the whole story is he might be going um, to the big leagues, like worldwide or prime, whatever it would be called. He's prime getting time, satellite or, radio at that point. Um, <laughs> but Alec Baldwin's his boss, and he's kind of telling him maybe you got to tone it down a little bit and he's like fuck that like the reason people want this show is because of this like this is why we're gonna go worldwide but anyways it just gets tenser and tenser because it's him just like you have racist calling kkk like just the, the most terrible right-wing people in the world and this guy just like gets off just kind of outsmarting them and ripping on them but then like people are like 
threatening him on on air. There's like one scene where the guy's like sent it, like he gets a package and the guy phones says like did you get the package like you know and he explains how it's a bomb and all this shit. There's another guy that keeps on calling in that sounds fucking scary about and saying that he just murdered his girlfriend and then he's gonna come down to the the station. Like it's just uh, yeah I don't know really really how to explain it, but you just have to watch. Like it's the whole movie is just him talking on the radio. And you wouldn't think that would be, but the way Oliver Stone makes it interesting, there's a scene where he kind of has a camera, and as Bogosian's doing this big, long, like, 10-minute speech, I guess the, the camera's kind of moving around as he's speaking, so the yeah. background's changing, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how to explain the movie. It had it had an impact on me. It's kind of like, you don't really necessarily like the character, but... You like hearing him talk. Yeah, he's just... he's right. the, the discussion is just so yeah. intelligent and, like, funny, but, like... It's just so much. It's just such as dark, tense, not nonstop. Like you don't really get relief in, until the end. So back to my original question: Should they be showing this? No, in high school? no. Like there's, <laughs> it's definitely not appropriate. Well, they might be asking for a lot of trouble on their. Like hands, right? I thought about this when yeah. when Kyle posted. It, I was like, "Fuck, I've seen this." And then I watched a little clip online, and I went. Oh my god! I watched this in media class, and like an English media class in grade twelve. Maybe because like Howard Stern was popular at that point, like they were trying. I uh, think it may have gone with uh, something to do with shock radio because it was a media class. Yeah, bonkers though. Yeah, there's no way that would fly today's like climate, right? They wouldn't do that in high school. I think like Oliver Stone, this was coming off of um, Platoon Platoon and Wall Street, which Wall Street, I guess, wasn't a big success, which I thought it was, or maybe, oh really, or maybe review wise wasn't because they have a really cool on the the Blu-ray. There's like a ten or twenty minute documentary with Oliver Stone and like you know it's just really interesting uh just because he goes into like this movie was a, a flop um and you know he thinks it's it's a good movie he understands why you know it wasn't for everyone because it is so dark and because a lot of people just hated the lead character but I was I was listening even before we came to the Roger Niebert reviews and they loved it um but yeah I, I just think it's like this film that uh you know it's not gonna be for everyone it's just simple, just to go back there so roger and ebert liked it sorry roger siskel and ebert is that S- it was? S- that I, I, for a second there was like oh yeah. man where did poor roger go <laughs> yeah 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 oh, it's, 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 what, ebert and roper now or i guess it's roper and, roper and roper yeah <laughs> roger and roper they could have called it roger and roper and they didn't <laughs> come on <laughs> My brain is not working today. I apologize. But anyways, um, yeah, watch this film if you haven't seen it. I thought yeah, it was uh, awesome. something special. I think, yeah, I think you would dig it. And I think if you would watch I, it now, yeah, you'd I, I enjoyed it more. I, I, as a kid, I just, I wasn't that I didn't enjoy it, but I remember yeah. everyone in class, you know, those type of mu- movies that, yeah. were, you know, it, it well, yeah, there's, kind there's of a, some like, there's, there's, they're phoning and using like, you know, uh, offensive terms to gay people, to, to black people, Jewish people. Like there's this woman that calls and does this creepy religious rant about how the gays and the Jews are going to die and be hung out in the street. Like it's, it's fucked up this movie that, that I think that's why, like I remember the first time, like I was watching with Becky and I don't think she finished it. And I was kind of like, do I like this movie? Like it just kind of makes you feel like shit almost in a sense the whole time. But at the same time, like his speeches are so great. And he, he kind of like insults all these people when they try to film with this, this bullshit. It's like him outwitting these people, but yeah, it's not uh, necessarily a fun watch. And again, it is based somewhat on a true radio host, Alan Berg, but I would recommend not reading up on him to see the movie because there is some spoilers in there. But um, yeah, it's... Spoilers! <laughs> Can we have a sound effect that goes, spoilers, spoilers, yeah. spoilers. <laughs> like a huge bombastic sound? Yeah. Spoilers! Yeah, spoilers. <laughs> oh yeah, and there's the, there's the whole like side plot too, where his ex is kind of coming because he 
she's kind of the only one that can ground him, but then she tries to like help him and there's this big like he erupts on her. It's just like played gut, by B. Arthur uh, right? scene. <laughs> um it is B. Arthur actually. I know that's that's air no. She's not in Airheads. They just wanted naked pictures of her in Airheads. <laughs> what is going on here? <laughs> I don't know. I, that's, I've always remembered the name B. Arthur before I even knew who it was yeah. because that was like, they're like, we have to ask for weird shit to confuse them. And the, they asked for naked pictures uh, of B. Arthur in Airheads, the Adam Sandler and Brendan Fraser radio movie. Anyways, I, I'm talking, I'm, ran, I'm blabbling yeah, on now. Yeah, you are going on. Uh, Maddie, you're number uh, 10. Number 10, from 1981, Watcher in the Woods. I guess this is when Disney was trying to get a bit uh, away from children's movies and into more of the adult uh, realm. Pee-pee movies. Yeah, into the, uh, the doo-doo-doo-doo-poo-poo movies, which is kind of <laughs> cool. Uh, this family moves into this like English manor uh, so their husband can, uh, the father can make music and what have you. So, and I guess as they're moving in, the one lady's like, uh, your daughter, there's something up with your daughter. I can sense she has like that, I guess, right. shine and what have you. And there's this girl wearing a blindfold that she constantly keeps seeing in reflections of the house and as they're walking into this ominous woods there's like a glow of this blue light and it turns out her daughter went missing 30 years ago and it just gets crazier and crazier huh. it's a fun mystery there is i've never cool seen this atmosphere. it's awesome man like again it's a pg pg 13 movie so it's not like a a doo-doo poo-poo movie yeah. but it's almost like disney uh, well maybe to, a doo-doo but yeah no yeah yeah a pee-pee is more yeah. <laughs> it's almost like disney tried to make a lovecraft movie oh yeah. interesting it, it's cool man have, have you, you seen this kyle I actually have not, even though I own the DVD. Oh, that's crazy. Did, did I lend you the DVD? Yeah, you did, okay. actually. I've owned this, and I just mm-hmm. haven't got to it. Yeah, the um, ending is a bit batshit insane, but I can see why some people be like, all right, that ending is so fucking stupid, but I kind of liked how batshit insane it got. I think I might have saw it when yeah. I was a kid, but I, mm-hmm. yeah, I haven't seen it to a point where I would count as seeing it. Yeah, it's a fun like mystery. It's got some presence. Yeah, that's when Disney did like that, Return it. of Oz, Return to Oz, and um, what's the other one? Wicked something wicked this comes this way you got yeah. it and i guess mr bogarty was in that same yeah mr thing. bogarty yeah they did a lot of great mm-hmm. uh, movies in, in that time period cool uh my number 10 is is something that it's kind of was a random watch for me on a canopy i i just had heard a couple just like a couple whispers that it was worth watching but it's not a director that's that's huge and it's it's not a movie that is talked about much it's from 1992 uh, it's a French movie uh, directed by Claude uh, Sauté. Uh, it, it's Hard in Winter is the English title. Un coup de Hiver, I, th- I think, <laughs> is the French title that, that I probably bastardized. And it's really, really interesting. At first, it seems like, oh, it's going to be this kind of normal love triangle between... Um, there's these two guys that run this uh, high-end violin kind of shop the one guy that fixes the violin the other guy that sells them and and probably selling these violins is like eight hundred thousand for these like whatever violins so they're the best in the biz the one guy is very standoffish eight hundred thousand what are we doing with our lives i know we we need these violins designing violins um these are probably like from like the 1700s yeah. and they're fixing so he fixes all the stuff and the other guy's a salesman the salesman now has this new I think it's his girlfriend, even though descriptions say it's his wife, but I don't think they're married. And it's played by Emmanuel Bier from Mission Impossible, the first Mission Impossible, who's Ethan Hawke's wife. Okay, interesting. So she's this virtuoso violin player, and it, it seems like it's setting up this love triangle, but the one, the lead, is completely like... Blank, and you, it, you first you think, oh, he's gonna kind of like get into her obsession 
or become obsessed with her because he seems like he's trying to take her from the other dude who are supposedly best friends, but you realize it's just kind of a game to him. He doesn't really care. He has no real obsession, but he's got these intense looks. It's all this intense looks. The performances are incredible. It's honestly unlike... Is he like a sociopath? It almost seems like he's a sociopath, but he also can reason so well and Mm. with emotion, but he just doesn't care. So when she then becomes obsessed with him, this beautiful woman is now Mm. like obsessed with this guy who she thinks they have this connection, and he's just like, no, No. this didn't mean anything to me. I don't want to do any... Like, it's it's so bizarre, and there's all these underlaying... It's very, very French... But I, it stuck with me because this character and the performance is unbelievable because he just has these fucking intense looks and you think there's more there and you realize there's just not. It, it, it's the antithesis of of what you think would make a great movie. Yeah. But it's what his perceived lack of care does to everyone around him and everything else fucking crumbles and nothing changes for this, this dude. dude is like like has a vacant stare <laughs> it's not even vacant she starts playing and yeah. all, honestly she trained for a year to get the violin oh, mimicking yeah. down it's it, it's the maybe the best i've seen on on film did you say sorry is the lead gerard Depardieu? no it's oh. uh daniel uh, atiel i think mm-hmm. it's otiel who actually was married to her in the in the in the in the mm-hmm. 90s which okay. also makes like there's there's some sort of chemistry there but he just keeps it at bay like there there's he's more curious than anything. than anything of uh, uh, what's going on uh there's some great dialogue and great scenes i i really really liked it and i i'd highly recommend it because it's virtually like i've i don't know i i follow 60 cinephiles on letterboxd yeah. only one person has seen it that seems crazy yeah, she, like that. She's another actress that in France was like looking like she was gonna be this huge thing. And there's a few major, major roles in the late, late eighties that I now really want to look. But he's another actor like uh, Daniel Otiel, who just fucking floored me. So, and I don't think I've really seen him in anything. Did you love this movie because you had no cachet. idea where it was going? Like you assume you start watching this, like okay, I know exactly where this movie's going. Then it just doesn't. I don't think Go. I've ever seen anything yeah. quite like this. It, it's very subtle. And and that's the thing. I didn't have it on my list originally. Yeah. I think I, I originally had given it a four. I now give it a four and a half. It's, it's I just, I was looking at all the movies. I was like, this one I has really, really stuck got, yeah. with me. Yeah. Hmm. So uh, that's my number 10. Cool. A hardened winner. Follow up with that, Maddie. <laughs> okay, it's your turn, but I guess I can try. Oh. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, because you did. Sorry, the oh. <laughs> Man, <laughs> My brain is not yeah. working today, man. I just downed this coffee hoping it'd yeah. wake me up. Well, it is kind of funny because the movie I have to follow, <laughs> I'm following it up with, is none other than Invasion USA <laughs> from 1985. <laughs> Now, if you guys remember one of our Christmas episodes, we did like we had a bunch of shit that we watched and like I went through them all and it's kind of like, yeah, whatever, it was fine. And then when I got to this, man, my blood just fucking got all hot and bothered. Is this Chuck Norris? Yeah, Yeah, Chuck Norris. I I love this movie. (laughs) This Um, is awesome. that You're talking about like a French movie, like A Heart in Winter. You're like, you know what else is awesome? Chuck Norris in the (laughs) Vision USA. Well, again, like this is my top 10 and this movie like entertained me from beginning to end. Like this is... You know, there's Die Hard Lethal Weapon for action Christmas movies. 
I'm not saying it's better than Die Hard, and maybe it's because I've seen Die Hard many, many times, mm-hmm. but I had way more fun watching this this year than Die Hard. It's like driving like, a truck through a mall. It's just insane. Like, it's yeah. got this evil Russian villain. He's like the most evil guy. Like, I think he shoots like so many kids and, and families. It just kills everyone throughout the movie. He's a terrible, this is terrible a guy. It's a canon movie, right? Uh, canon, yeah. yeah. He, I think he shoots two different guys in the dick. Yeah. Um, like, that's his thing, I guess. Just the most evil, sinister dude. And then, yeah, it's Chuck Norris and like. Uh, the Canadian tuxedo kind of like a jean vest with his hairy chest hanging out, just taking out guys left and right. It's just got great, great one-liners. Kind of, It's the type of movie where like they throw a bomb and then he drives up next to them and secretly attaches it and then, you know, points into the back and they notice yeah. that the bomb is now in their right. car. It's pure cheese, but it's just had a, a great flow. Like the, the end of the movie is the two guys with rocket launchers like 10 feet away, <laughs> from, away from each other and you can guess where it's going to end. Um, it's just, yeah, I don't know. This is a type of film that like you just want to put on. I grew up, you know, watching all those, the Van Damme and the, um, the Steven yeah. Seagal. I, I love all that stuff and I still love watching it. But Chuck Norris is kind of the, the one action star, Schwarzenegger, I'd love to, and Stallone. Chuck Norris is the one guy, and maybe Bronson, that I just never got it into. Like, I never really saw anything. He's, I've never seen, oh. t- still to this day, the Delta Forces. Oh, shit. Like, all the different... Like, I, I think I've seen Sidekicks. Yeah. yeah. And, like, one or two other movies he did, but I didn't see all his big classic this 80s movies. This is kind of the same for me. He's probably my missing link in, in, yeah. in there. And maybe some of the Seagal, you know... So you're a Dolph Lundgren kind of guy, is what you're yeah. saying? <laughs> like, Bronson, actually, I watched more because yeah. we had a, a buddy... Uh, dad of mine like loved all the Death Wish d- Death Wishes. I've been buying all those so I'm excited yeah. to to get through the Bronson I feel uh, it's going way off topic but Death Wish 1 actually seems like an interesting movie while Death Wish 2 to like Six are just kind of like, all right, fuck it, plot. He yeah, just, but yeah. they're appa- apparently they're amazing if you just yeah. want like insane nonstop. Yeah. I heard like two and three are some of the most insane action movies. You I can remember watch. loving them. Yeah, uh, but I, um, I again, I probably haven't seen the Death Wishes since I was like fifteen years old. Yeah, but uh, again, this list is kind of like. There's going to be a lot of noirs because I found out about that and I'm yeah. excited to keep on checking them out. And this was kind of like, I mean, who knows? Maybe this is peak Chuck Norris and it's going to be all downhill from here. But I'm kind of like, if you know, if I can get another two, three yeah. films out of his filmography that are as fun and entertaining as this, like, then you'll I'm only excited. be walk- watching Walker, <laughs> Texas Ranger yeah. every yeah. day. Well, I, <laughs> I, I probably not. I don't know if I'll go that far. Um, I think I've seen a, a bit of that and it wasn't for me. But um, yeah, I've been buying a lot of uh, Norris as well and I'm Any pretty mis- excited mis- to. Missing in action? Movies, yeah, yeah. I, I've been I've been picking yeah. up a bunch. So yeah, I don't know. This is, and it's a Christmas movie, so I love you know Christmas movies always get that extra point. USA. This is the type of movie where USA. the bad guys go to like this quaint little Christmas town. You see the girl, you know, with her father putting the star mm-hmm. in the tree, and they go into their house all happy, and then these motherfuckers come with their rocket launchers and start blowing up all these houses. The, the whole the whole Finally. point of the movie is these terrorists come to America and they're creating war on the land, but they're also doing it in a way to make it seem like. America is in, at war with itself. Like they dress up as cops and go shoot up a bunch uh, of like Mexicans. So then the Mexicans are pissed at the cops, and then they're going doing all this oh. stuff and creating this big war. There's also like a big attack action scene in the middle of a mall on Christmas, which is a lot of fun mm. with Chuck Norris. That's what this smashing through for, the mall, right? the mall. Yeah, in his in his uh, in his truck. truck. Uh, kicking ass it's just I don't know it's pure cheese but it is like entertaining this is the type of movie like I can put on at 10 o'clock and, and you know 11 o'clock and, and easily stay awake and if if not tired I'm pumped to Come like put midnight, on another you're gonna movie. watch another movie yeah yeah so and it's like yeah it's like an hour and a half it's again when you go from like something like talk radio to this sometimes you kind of want that relief and I think this is kind of a perfect comfort yeah. food relief uh, film 
All right. Uh, going back down my uh, Lucky McKee uh, session of this year uh, from 06, I watched The Woods. Have you guys seen The Woods yet or no? No, I haven't. Oh, it's awesome. It's yep. almost like a 60s uh, schoolgirl vibe. Like they shot it, I guess, all in like weird sepia tones. So this girl who's kind of like a bit of a wayward girl goes to this school in the middle of these woods. And as she's getting punished, her dad lost his job, but he's still kind of getting thing. So he's like, all right, we'll accept you. But you have to take these like tests to see if you're smart. And I guess the uh, mystery just unfolds. It keeps unfolding. Almost like Suspiria, but done like real slick. Like uh, like interesting style slick. Yeah, it's cool. Have you seen this or no? Yeah, I haven't seen it in a long time. And it's um, awesome. Like, I guess these girls keep I going I thought it missing. fell apart a bit at the end, if I remember correctly. I could be wrong. Uh, yeah, but. it's it's still interesting. And Bruce Campbell's in there for a little bit. Part yeah, and he's yeah. charming as hell in this, too, as like the father of the uh, Wayworld girl. And as the uh, girls keep going missing, they're kind of replaced by like just these like wooden stick uh, and leaf figures in oh, their beds. So, yeah, oh. it's got that kind of sweet uh, New England vibe for me. Cool. Um, my number nine is something Kyle mentioned earlier: "The Killing" from 1956. Stanley Kubrick. Oh, oh, that was the first time you. That was it. the first time okay. I'd seen it. I think that's the last out of the. I don't know, like classic Kubrick. You hadn't. Yeah, seen? I, that that and I still haven't seen Lolita. Um, so two, I wanted to kind of get through, but I, I'd seen all the other classic. I've actually seen. Uh, some of the early, early ones, but I hadn't seen this. And what a fucking great yeah, heist movie! Yeah. Uh, Sterling Hayden, who I, I've always, you know, I'm, I haven't seen him in too much, um, but always, always liked him. All the bit characters are great. I love it. Who's the guy um, that, that with his wife, Alicia Cook Jr.? Yeah, he, he was great. He's yeah. always great. Yeah. Uh, it, I feel like I just saw him in something else. Phantom too. Lady. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, he was great. He's amazing. <laughs> he's like he's he's great in um he's in the Big Sleep I think as well and in Maltese Falcon and yeah he seems like a guy that's been in a lot of films I've been watching which would make sense because I guess he was House on a Haunted Hill he was he was in as well. Okay, yeah. You know he's he's a great like when you think of character Support, actor yeah, yeah, yeah. He, that's what he is and I just thought this worked like you you have the precision. Of Kubrick early on, telling a noir story, um, and and I just and it's super economical. It's got to be like an, yeah, under an hour it, and a half. Yeah, it flows pretty pretty quickly. So for for me, it's it's one that I, I'm I'm really looking forward to revisiting to see all those kind of clockwork yeah uh, mechanisms. But it's it's really the first movie that he was given the tools to do yeah. what he needed to do. Again, that that was one of those films. If I didn't have already a bunch of noirs, it would have been on my list. If that was the only one I had seen, twenty twenty, I would have put up there. But I wanted to kind of add some variety, vilify, not uh, your list, not diversified. I I think you watched this before in England. No, I watched A Kiss of Death. Oh, okay, okay. I was gonna like say, hey. Another another number nine, baby. <laughs> uh, no, no. Okay. I watched Kiss Me Deadly in England, oh, okay. and I had these the one little kid, this British boy, who's like, f- what is he? Five? They were young, six? yeah, like four. Or and five. I'm watching this, and there's like a graphic thing yeah. in the end. Yeah. And usually I'm terrible at doing this stuff, <laughs> like like s- saying, oh, it's just only this or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, because uh, I just don't know how to react. Yeah. And, and and he started getting. S- you clearly scared, and David was tensing up. And David was in the other room, and I, I kind of went, "Oh, it, it, you know, it's just make believe. None of this stuff is real." And he went, "Okay," <laughs> and then he just went back to what oh, he was doing. <laughs> that was where, yeah, that was that was the end of the trip where I'd, I was, uh, I was basking in failure. Yeah, burning out. 
Sorry to break that that ball. Yeah, no, that kind of went all (laughs) fucking depressing. We're talking about the killing and. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kiss Me Deadly also <laughs> is a fucking great noir. Yeah. There's another one in my stack. Again, that's I still have so many great ones to get through. So, yeah, Maddie, you gotta you gotta come down this trip, man. Yeah, right, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, it's a great trip. Okay, uh, my number eight is from 2013, a little film that Adam recommended called Coherence. Yeah, this oh. was this was. Uh, I also just watched this earlier that year, uh, very early in the year. This was an honorable it made mention. It made your top 10 of the decade, I believe, for horror. 25. Top 25. Oh, 25, okay. Um, as I mentioned before, I don't know if I would consider it horror myself, I, but uh, you know, I, mm-hmm. I could understand why other people would. I think it's, to me, it felt more kind of sci-fi thriller, but... Anyways, the, I don't want to say too much of the plot, but pretty much there's an asteroid coming down and, you know, a bunch of a group of friends are, I don't know if they're, are they reuniting or just getting together for a dinner party? And all of a sudden the power goes out. Um, they notice that one house across still has its lights on. So a couple of them say, well, we'll go there and see, you know, how they still have their lights on, what's going on. The one guy said, like, his brother works, is a ge- geologist or something, some kind of position? Astronomer. Astronomer. Physicist, whatever, something. But, but, but he mentions, yeah, that, he's a gynecologist. He mentions if the if the if you know anything <laughs> happens in relation to this, uh, <laughs> he doesn't even it doesn't even budge him at <laughs> yeah. this point anymore. He mentions if anything happens in relation to this uh, meteor, you know, power goes out or anything, to just make sure he contacts him immediately. So that he's going to go there, try to use this guy's power, and then from then. On, I don't want to say too much else because I think the best thing about this film is just watching it and seeing yeah, what happens. Uh, unraveling, but just strange things happens and it gets weirder and weirder. And there's some stuff with time in there, and yeah, it, it's just this fan- fantastic mind fuck of a film. It's one of those films that you come out and there's so much to think about, and you just want to read as much as you can. And then you read and you find out that people have put together diagrams, and it all and it holds this, up. Yeah, oh, wow. So it's one of those films, but it's not like it's not like um. You know, we were recently talking. We were talking about Tenet before we started recording this. Whereas I think that you know is almost overly complicated at, at at times. This thing, it's not like it all is there, but the way it's filmed, like there's so many little you can hints go deeper. And stuff that, yeah, you can really like analyze it. But yeah, it never feels like I don't know what the fuck's going on. I'm so confused. You know what's going on in the whole movie, but you start thinking, wait a second, what what happened to that character there? And yeah. then and yeah, I, again, I don't want to say any more. But I love this movie. It's almost like what I'm always wishing the Benson and Moorhead movies would be. Like, they always have these great high concepts, but they never kind of execute the, the actual filmmaking as well. Where this, like, it's done on no budget, and the filmmaking is... Uh, yeah, $50,000 budget. That's crazy. crazy. Yeah. Other than it occasionally looks, it looks being good. acting... Yeah, the, the only problem I remember having with it is some of like, the camera stuff, especially at the beginning. It's like a lot of shaky cam. Uh, which sometimes I feel like, you know, especially there's a time when like everyone was doing that unnecessarily. But yeah, I uh, I, I, I don't read too much on it. Just no, go just watch and watch it. it. I think that's the best way that like, I yeah, went in. You haven't seen much. this, right, man? I, I was trying to watch it in October. I guess it's off Netflix. I don't think you like have it's to. It's on Prime. It's on Prime now. Yeah, I don't yeah. think you ha- you need to watch in October anyway. Yeah, I, awesome. But yeah, I, I think um, I, I think it's a, a great. Um, I think I watched it last January or something. I'm just I'm just. Like, pissed off that it never had a north american blu-ray so i'm hoping it's gonna keep gaining steam this one yeah Yeah, it seems like it is gaining traction and like people are finding out about it and again people are analyzing and doing their own theories on everything so this is one i wouldn't even be surprised in five years criterion puts out because it just keeps yeah because i think i feel like even since i've seen it in january 
So in a year, it's gained more steam online and more people hmm. keep kind of finding it. As more people probably just get Prime, to be honest. Yeah, that might be it too, right? Because they, they actually pushed that movie quite hard on, on that hmm. service. Oh, yeah? Um, cool. Well, yeah, that's my number eight. Uh, from um, 1998, Ooh. a Stephen King adaptation called App Pupil. App Pupil with Brad Renfro. You got it, man. And Brad, directed by Brian Singer. Yeah, yeah. Singer. The monsters in this movie are scarier than anything Stephen I King thought you were gonna, I thought you were talking about Brian Singer. Anyways, go on. <laughs> it's kind of spooky, actually, because there was a few shower scenes. I was noticing oh, this, actually. Man. That's like, ooh, all right, all right, all right. Doesn't matter. It's about pretty much like uh, this young kid who was such a diabolical monster finds out that his neighbor was a Nazi. This kid gets obsessed with like learning how the actual like concentration camps played out and how the uh, Holocaust went. So he actually... like blackmails him into telling him all the secrets and what happened and it just goes on its ear man it's Ian McKellen you got it right? and it is so dark and so tense in the same situations like because he even gets him like an old uh, outfit and dresses him up like a proper Nazi like concentration uh. camp like officer and he's like say it it's like all right then he does all like the marches and whatnot it just is gets so yeah, I, I want to see it so intense it's, it's, yeah. uh, it's hard to find out like on physical media because I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm a brian singer fan i mean whatever in his personal life like mm. i love valkyrie usual yeah. suspects you know some of his x-men He's films awesome. so and yeah and this is one i've just never seen unfortunately yeah it is so tense and you hate everyone in this but you can't stop watching it hmm. yeah i loved it so we're on number eight, right? Yes. yes. So I watched uh, from 1993, Mike Lee's Naked. So this stars David Thules, who is mostly known for people other than Kyle, is playing Lupin in the Harry Potter movies. <laughs> but he's also been in a, a million other things, like a, a really great actor. Mm. And he plays this kind of like incredibly smart, quick-witted, um, basically just like, constant flow of dialogue spewing from this guy's mouth it's also interesting but also vile and he's despicable and poor and horrible but he's crossed with all this other stuff it's based in london in the early 90s it's kind of like this underbelly seedy kind of fucking people just on the lines of getting by yeah and it's pretty brutal and he's so brutal the realism is crazy that this character has he's dropped out he fucking doesn't care anything about anybody he is just uh getting by living and you just follow this guy squatting with this friend that you, from is their there, old hometown. Is there a plot, or is it just pretty much just like a character dialogue-driven It, it is uh, barely. Here is two hours in this. Yeah, this situation. That's yeah. pretty well it. And awesome. um, it, this squalor kind of apartment. And there's there's almost like a counterbalance with this other kind of guy who's just rich but also despicable. And you you see how like that soils him even more in a, in a way. It's one of those things where you can't keep your eyes away from. It's one maybe the best character performance I, I, I saw all year. He's unbelievable in it. You can see why this kind of like started his career. Even though you go, oh fuck, why did he do that? That's so horrible. Because you you just see how fucking brilliant he is at the same time. Yeah. It ends in an incredible way. Yeah, Mike Lee's naked, which I've, uh, for years, we were talking about when we, 
Maddie and I were in England with the band, the guy that owned the label, this was one of his, like, you have to see Naked. Like, how have you not seen yeah. this? is like an like a classic of British cinema, and I finally... Got it. 12 years later watched it. <laughs> yeah, I think I've heard a few people on the Criterion Closet mention it, being a fan of it. Cool. There's something dope about these movies where they just kind of put you in this, like, there's no plot, there's nothing, it's just people just... In that out, world. Yeah, yeah, for two hours and... And, and also ends. great performances by yeah. all of these unfortunate female characters that are having to be in the fucking vicinity of these people and living there and their desperation. But you're also like, you warm up to all of them. Mm-hmm. It's one of these movies that is brutal, but you don't feel brutal at the end because there's so much fucking joy in the thought almost. Of <laughs> you not being them. <laughs> part of that and part of what they're saying yeah. and the ideas that yeah. are coming across it, it just shows how like even there's layers of fucking horrendous action <laughs> misery yeah and the misery being like not misery like at one point he just he kind of gets into this building so he can stay there all night after he's been kicked out of this house and he hangs out with a security guard and the security guard is wary of him, but also doesn't want him to be out in the cold. So he's like, you just got to hide or whatever. And the conversation they have is incredible. There's a security guard who you think, ah, it's just a fucking security guard. And the thought that comes out of his mind, and and at first this character who's just fucking shitting all over him, they have this incredible conversation. That does sound pretty awesome, actually. It's it's, 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 um, highly recommended. Awesome. At this point, like these movies, all are like would be fighting for top hundred spaces. Yeah. Like the, the, it's just a good year for you. A, a really good year. I love getting to follow up <laughs> Adam's picks because uh, my number seven from nineteen eighty four, Wild Beasts. <laughs> Dude, that is my number seven as well. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> oh my god! Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I love this movie. Yeah, it's well, insane. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you listen to the show, you know yeah. that I'm a huge nature gun amok guy. What are the fucking um, odds of that? Right? Yeah, oh that God. is weird. You can think of whatever fucking movie you want to watch all year and talk about on this fucking podcast. Both of you pick fucking wild beasts in the same spot. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Um, but yes, I, um, I love late nature gone amok. And this film, when I first saw it, this kind of rose up to being like top tier for me. There are two scenes that come to mind. It's the uh, elephant just pretty much taking off an entire like city block. Yeah. just like walking and destroying it almost like Godzilla, but it's an actual fucking elephant taking it out. And there's a scene where there's a guy dropping like an open top beetle down these roads of Germany and a Jaguar just chasing him yeah. like, like a buck 65, like right after him. Yeah. It is so amazing, so insane. Well, yeah, th- this, this is a film in the 70s Italian. Yeah. They just didn't give a fuck. It's all real animals. They just let them go loose. You, you have scenes, I think, where tigers are almost hitting people. I wrote down uh, the fist pumpers from my review. Rats eating a couple having sex in a car. <laughs> yep. Elephants crushing people's heads and strangling them with their trunks. <laughs> a cheetah chasing a woman down the street in her VW. A tiger mauling people to death on a subway train. A polar bear attacking children in a dance school. And a surprising and somewhat bleak finale. You also have like the lead hero character who is just such like a male chauvinist yeah. dirtbag. Um and it, I mean the subtitle. So it is kind of like naked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I don't know if he'd be a chauvinist, but he's a dirtbag. 
like the acting and dialogue is all pretty bad. The subtitles, it almost seems like they made it, made them up because, <laughs> you know, it's just one of those type of films. But it doesn't matter because what's insane is just like the footage. I will say, I mean, the director claims no animals were hurt. That's bullshit. I mean, there's a scene where I ho- I hope there's someone true. torching. No, but there's a scene where the guy torching rats. Okay, like fuck oh, that. Yeah. It's a, it's bullshit. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm sure you know animals were probably hurt to make this film. Unfortunately, but yeah, if you can look past that, which I know is it's hard to do for yeah. people, and I understand that. But th- th- this film's insane. We didn't even mention the plot. I guess PCP it's gets introduced con- contaminates in the, into, in the water of the zoo, and then they all breakout during a blackout nonetheless but yeah this film is just insane like and there's all these explosions and shit happening and crazy action it's one of those movies where like my jaw was just on the floor of the whole movie like i was just like how i can't believe this is happening on film like how did they do this how did no one get harmed i mean maybe people did get injured during the making of this like there's no safe way to do any of these shots like without humans getting there's just something about watching and as horrible as it sounds but these 70s movies where you know like there were no rules and people did crazy stunts and crazy shit. And like, there was no safety precautions taken for a lot of the shit. There's just something it's exhilarating. Like knowing that, you know, that person just almost got slashed by a tiger. You're watching a snuff film. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah. Th- this movie is insane. I had a total blast with it. I'm excited to watch it again. Mm-hmm. If you're in a nature gun amok, I mean, I know there's some people that right away will say, Oh, real animals are hurt. I'm out. And again, I understand that I'm not going to judge you. If you can somehow look past that, I mean, this is one of the craziest movie experiences I've I've seen. It, it was it's a zoo, baby. Yeah, so that's my number. So uh, this actually is kind of a segue. So in talking about craziest movie watches I've ever seen, um, from 2012, Leos Carax's Holy Motors. Um, so this is this movie is fucking batshit. It's so bad shit, but it's so well respected. You basically have like a guy. I'll, I'll explain the plot a little bit. Okay. At first, you just see this guy he comes out of this fancy house. He's in a suit. He gets in a limo, and you're thinking, okay, where's this businessman going, or what, what's he gonna do? And it quickly just evolves where he's playing these. He's it's almost like a uh, an alien character that just keeps going from playing one part. To one part like even the breakdown it says he's sometimes a man sometimes a woman sometimes youthful sometimes old sometimes a murderer sometimes a beggar company chairman monstrous creature worker family man and he is all this dennis levant who plays this is it's a crazy fucking performance he's also like almost an acrobat in what he's doing and i guess he's been known as this like fluid uh a blank physical canvas? actor throughout all these years and he's getting older and it was it's basically a showcase for everything he could do. At one part, he's basically like kidnapped Eva Mendez in one of these scenes, and he's almost like this dwarf creature in a cave, and he's got a like a raging heart on as he's just like around her, like putting blood all over. It's fucking crazy. What, what, what is this plot? Is it almost like like a Kentucky Fried movie? Or no, he's almost like an assassin, a human assassin okay. going into all these scenes, but he's not always like an assassin like where he actually kills someone even though that is part of it yeah. as well is he just torturing people for no torturing sometimes people? he's he's he, sometimes it's very moving like there's this one with scene with kyle minogue that turns into like basically a, a musical and it's beautiful huh. about them not being able to be together it starts off almost like very whimsical and, and crazy and zany and turns almost like very melancholic and 
almost like wistful for youth or something. How does this progress is a question he, I'm he wondering. basically goes keeps getting back in this limousine and 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 changes in these characters like oh. he's been hired to do these things over a full <laughs> day yeah he has like a couple of wishes like all right the, the limo driver is a genie who takes him to these the, places the, uh, the limo driver does seem like it's almost missed the limo not the driver yeah. but the limo the actual cars that drive seem almost mystical in the end oh, it seems crazy to me it is crazy it is like Unlike basically anything I see, and this director just has a great sense of making all of these, vi- they're basically vignettes. Yeah. In, but uh, held together with this great wraparound that makes sense when you're watching it. Yeah. But trying to explain it, not so much, apparently. It, it does, because it, it's a fantastical world. Yeah. Like, like, what world has this guy that would be hired to dress up and do all of these yeah. things to these type of people? Well, the one thing is, like, the monster with the heart on seems, <laughs> like, crazy to me. That that was the one, that's, like, the second or third vignette, and he runs through, like, a cemetery and just starts going batshit, and it's like, oh, what? okay. What am I watching? Because you're... you're you, I didn't read anything about it. And I just had an idea, and you're watching this. Okay, this guy, he's a businessman. He's going to set up all these things. And then all of a sudden, he's fucking this dwarf, <laughs> crazy beggar character that's going around the cemetery causing havoc for people that are there. Um, yeah, and even Mendez is like doing a photo shoot, and that's where he steals her. Uh huh. But like, it's got like fairly, like, you know, you have Eva Mendez and Colin yeah. Minogue, and you'll, you'll see all these other actors, and you go, I, I've seen them before. Yeah. Like, it's, it's a big time. Production. Production, yeah. And that's why I'm so excited about his new movie, because there hasn't been one since this in 2012. So, like, there's going to be another Batchet Insane movie? I'm like, sure. Yeah. Like, he, he's the director I'm most curious, because he's only made, I think, five movies since the 80s. Oh, wow. It takes a long time between that I'm, I'm most excited to kind of watch throughout this year. Oh, that's cool. So you're on number six. Number six from 1977, Woody Allen's Annie Hall. Oh, the first time. Yeah. So I've actually haven't really seen. So before this, I'd seen Midnight in Paris. I saw and I liked it. It was fine. It was good. And and then I saw scenes from a mall, which he didn't direct. I don't even know if he wrote, but he starred in. And I liked him in that. Like I liked Mm. his character was kind of this dickish. But I, I liked just watching this guy act. And yeah, this movie kind of blew me away. Um, again, I like him acting in this as well. I think he's just a, hilarious. I like his style. I like just all the writing. It's just perfection. Mm-hmm. It's, it's pretty much kind of a, a, a rom-com, but I guess kind of gone wrong, I guess. It's like it's like him breaking up with... Is it D- Diane Keaton? Diane Keaton, yeah. Yeah, breaking up with her, and then he goes back into his past relationships and how they met, and it's all these kind of like... Uh, I guess various vignettes in a, in a sense, and you you have great performances like on the side oh, yeah. with uh, Paul Simon and uh, Shelley Duvall, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, like because it's all like different women that he's <laughs> dated and blah blah blah. But um, yeah, I, I was just I was blown away, and again talking about how like all these movies like you know made me want to check out more Chuck Norris, made me want to check out more noir, more anime. This was like, give me as much Woody Allen. And I know like right now it's terrible to like Woody Allen, but. Yeah, I'm just watching that series. It's pretty fucking brutal. What series? Uh, Fair over. HBO is kind of bullshit though with their docs. They did the same thing with Michael Jackson. And when you actually read up on it, like there was so much bullshit. You're still not convinced. No, there's so much stuff that was proven to be Yeah, but the the Jackson stuff, they've, they've even come out with more stuff. Anyways, the Jackson stuff is fucked. Um, this stuff 
But even this, apparently there's another documentary that shows how a lot of this stuff is like fabricated and it, I don't know. It could be, except that they're showing the court records now. So the first two episodes, there's like a lot of, you know. It's Woody Allen? Yeah. I remember talking about Michael Jackson. Woody Allen. Okay. With his his, his uh, adopted dog. I just think like he does like the HBO does these docs and they only they're all completely one sided and I don't know. This is my this is my actual problem with the doc is that uh, like they didn't get the brother that says it's all bullshit. um, They didn't talk to him, Moses or whatever. No, no. Now the problem is nobody would talk, which you 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 get. So they're use, but there's tape recordings of Woody on the phone with Mia that aren't great. Um, but apparently, I don't know. From what I've heard, read up to, like she's kind of crazy, and a lot of her stepkids have committed suicide. And they say she was kind of abusive and manipulative. And I don't know. Again, I think, but all two that sides, stuff has so. been dis- dis- disproven. So we get you get the first two episodes, and you're kind of going through it. Anyways, it doesn't look great for Woody, even if this event didn't happen. There's too many other things. I don't think the doc is is super well made. I, I agree with you. I think it's one of these. Even though I've uh, these directors, I've seen a couple of their other docs and they're quite well done. Uh, they they had one about it was called the Invisible War that was done about sexual abuse to female soldiers and it was yeah. like fucking heart heartbreaking and, and but also not biased. Where, where this one, you wish you had somebody else at least doing a, a little bit of counter and they're 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 occasionally going to people that are a little bit outside but yeah once you got to the court documents it's uh hard to really it's it's a little bit brutal but in all that court stuff like he was not proven guilty uh except for in the custody case so the custody case which isn't a criminal case the judge basically well they're not going to like Give him custody either way, right? At that um, point. <laughs> now he was the one that fought for custody, but the the way it goes about it. So, anyways, I I, I do think I'm a, I'm a person that thinks you can separate art from the artist, but there is like some bleed. You you can't. There's a lot wrong here. I know. Again, just from what I, I've read and read up on tons of this, it just seems like there, there's a lot of stuff that is it's. I know the Michael Jackson same thing, like like proven evidence that they're bullshitting in this documentary. And it's like a key part of the documentary, like stuff that couldn't happen based on the timelines and everything. Cause like this building wasn't built until five years later. So this is all impossible where he said all this happened or whatever to me, like that kind of ruins it all. Like when you start finding that a lot of shit is like, these are the problem with the documents. The problem with this is like, we'll never know exactly exactly what happened here, but something inappropriate happened. Yeah. And, Mm -hmm. Because he was already having to go to counseling before about this. So it's not like he, he was completely, this was never a thing. He spun it amazingly through the media to save his name in the 90s. And it's kind of remarkable that it's even coming back on him now because of how great of a job he did then. Because you look at him on film, he's, this, he's Woody. Everybody likes Woody. Yeah. Well, I, I was even watching some interviews beforehand. And he was He's pretty hilarious in interviews, too. I Like, <laughs> I'm I'm a... The '70s material and the '80s material that uh, everything I like, he's he has such a an amazing run. He's basically barely made anything of of note over you know mm-hmm. thirty years now. But well, again, I thought that Midnight. And, yeah, that's, well, that's that, good. Murder, like there's some good like little pockets. It's almost yeah. like Bob Dylan. Yeah, you can but find maybe, some gems. But maybe Bob Dylan actually is a, not the example because he then came back and actually made some yeah. great records. Well, I would just say. This is not the only Woody Allen film. In oh, list. shit. Oh. 
but yeah, no, I, I really, uh, I dug this film from beginning to end. I'm not a rom-com guy, mm-hmm. but I love this. Just the dialogue is perfection and, and, and yeah, just the, the acting, all the characters. I, uh, yeah, Diane Keaton is it. like stellar in this. I think this is... Great ending too. I saw Bananas and I saw Sleeper and then I saw Annie Hall when I was in high school and it was like... Uh, Good run at that what point, What the eh? fuck? Again, I, I picked up a, a bunch of his stuff that I could because a lot of it, unfortunately, is was only released through the... the Twilight Time. Twilight Time, so they only made the 3,000 or whatever copies and they're mm. all expensive. But I heard a rumor that another company maybe re-releasing a lot of them, which is exciting because I want to grab them all now that I missed out. But yeah, no, I, I love this movie and uh, I'm excited to... Yeah, so do I. Go down the, I, the Allen train. I, I just wish I hadn't been watching this because <laughs> I, I would, would have been a lot more... Because I got a lot of that Twilight Time stuff as well and now it's like I'm going to have to... Oh, maybe you can buy it off them for break. cheap. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're going to sell it? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I don't yeah, think yeah, I'm yeah. selling Because again, like I think there... I love the movie Jeepers Creepers and that yeah. there's no, that's not even like, it could be, be bullshit. He did time for that. If you go back in history, you're going to have trouble finding yeah. a lot of the stuff that isn't. Well, we don't know too. Yeah. It, again, it seems like all this shit comes out. I mean, maybe not necessarily the Woody Allen one, but the Jackson one. Like a lot of this comes out after the fact, right? Like once the actor's dead, you're going to have all of a sudden. But we have stuff like even with high artists like that are bad or like Jimmy Page who basically kidnapped a girl and everybody knows about this in the 70s or Bowie had definitely like had some very inappropriate, very underage stuff that he had even gone, well, you know, I didn't I didn't know. So it's it's kind of litter. Polanski's another one that fuck that guy's great at. Filmmaking. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that, that was an opportune pause. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't. He seems like a weirdo in real life, but yeah. uh, man, do I love his films. Wait, Pharaoh was Plansky and Woody Allen. Weird. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> My number uh, six from a uh, nineteen ninety six Hard Eight. Have you oh seen yeah, this? I was. So, no. It is so good. It's another one of these movies where you just kind of get. Put in this like here's a couple of hours you're hanging out with these people plot doesn't really make sense how good is philip baker hall in this he is in it for maybe five minutes and he oh no 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 uh, movie no uh, oh no yeah i was thinking like uh philip philip Seymour Hoffman. Hoffman. oh he is one of the most curmudgeon men but he is so charming and every syllable he speaks is with such dedication like he is amazing in this movie and even john c Riley as like the bumbling yeah. fool is so good. Like every one of these characters plays it perfectly. I think I I'd said like my review of this whenever a couple yeah, years ago I watched it, it was like all hail the three named masters. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that does make sense. <laughs> because you got Paul Thomas Anderson, you got John C. Riley, you got yep. Philip Baker Hall, Samuel yeah. L. Jackson, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yep. And they all who, who, destroy Paul Thomas Sanders. Okay. This is his like. This is his first movie. Uh, Philip Baker Hall actually finds John C. Riley just kind of like run down out of his luck, and he shows him pretty much how to scam a casino and how to live in Vegas. Yeah, and you can tell you don't know where he came from, what he's done in his past life, but he is just so uh, slick and just kind of talk to anybody in a precise way. Even he meets up with Samuel Jackson's character, who's kind of hanging out with a John C. Riley, and like you can tell he doesn't like him instantly. And he kind of just like bites him in this weird way of like, uh, yeah, yeah, it works. Curious, like uh, outside, and you can just tell when he says outside. Uh, Samuel Jackson's eyes kind of like dart a little bit. I'm like, this is next level movie making. Loved. If, if you wanted to say that Paul Thomas Anderson is our best filmmaker of the last thirty years, I'm not going to argue. Yeah, with you. It, you could put up a fight for that, right? 
Yeah. Uh, and it starts there. Like I, I, I think this is a step below the classics from mm-hmm. him. But uh, it's still so It's fun. really fucking but, good. Yeah, yeah and, and 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 you we were gonna man like yeah. Phil Sermer Hoffman is in basically one scene. And he steals the show. He steals it, yeah. All he does is he busts his balls for like five minutes. You can tell it's bugging him because he's kind of down on his luck. He can tell like he's a man who is unshakable. And he's starting to shake him a little yeah. bit and he doesn't like it. Which is kind of dope, man. Um, my number six is The Big Clock from 1948 by John Farrow. So this is a new- noir that I picked up. I think it's a... Arrow? It's an Arrow uh, collection one. And honestly, hadn't heard of it before it, it, it appeared there. John Farrow, I don't know who that is. Mm. I've, I've never heard of, of this director. And I read up afterwards, and he's kind of just like... a. He just had kind of bad luck. He was super talented. This is it starts uh, Ray Milland, who, who we know from we've talked about Dial in for Murder a long mm. time ago and last weekend, and he's in a bunch of stuff. And uh, great Charles Lawton, who always has a great way of playing these fucking big wig asshole kind of characters. Uh, Marino Sullivan, who I think that's uh, yeah, that's uh, Mia Farrow's daughter, uh, mother. Sorry, but, Mia Farrow's mother is Marino Sullivan, who plays the. They're taking a weird turn, right? Yeah, like. everything's everything's connected, <laughs> and and a bunch of great character actors. It has this amazing, fucking, clockwork, <laughs> plotting. Eh? It's, it's, yeah. I see what you did there. It's it's one of these like you know somebody's the murderer pretty well from the beginning but all the evidence is pointing the other way and that person has to bring it back and he's in this labyrinth of this building that has all these clocks uh oh. that that charles Lawton owns and i was blown away i i had no expectation this was this is one of these movies where i got the set and uh from from arrow and i've had mm. a few others and some of them been really good some over the last so. year and some of them have been not as as good and, and been problematic this is top tier noir but also adds in screwball comedy elements. It's really funny. And and a few other kind of like socioeconomic things that they n- normally don't go into. I, I loved it. But it still has like some of the sleazy bar shit. And, yeah. And, and, yeah, it's really I good. I kind of like the sleazy bar shit. Yeah. This, is, this, this, this will work. Nice. Did you pick this one up, Kyle? Uh, I believe I did. I haven't got a chance to watch it yet, though. Yeah, I, I would I would really, really recommend this one. Um, it's... Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, again, that that was one. Of, I think I've grabbed so many of these fucking things that <laughs> I got a good year or two to get through them all. But don't start with the fuller set. Yeah, I saw you didn't love that one. Yeah, I, I get there. I finally got to a good one. Uh, there's a, a indicator, a beautiful set. Everything's restored quite well, except for my favorite movie is has the best worst restoration mm-hmm. of it, which is. Uh, but the the early stuff that he's barely associated with were were kind of slogs to get through. Mm. Um, but I think we're, I'm 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 hopefully nearing a better a better stage. <laughs> In the uh, later stages of it. Yeah, he's actually going to direct the next two movies. He oh, nice. just wrote the, these ones, so I'll have a fuller connection though later. That's kind of why I brought it up. Cool. Number five. My number five uh, from 2008, uh, a little Canadian film called Pontypool. Oh, okay, th- yeah. Th- you just watched this for the first time last yeah, year? I guess you yeah, watched it for yeah. the uh, the decade that we just did. Yeah. Is that Bruce McDonald? Yeah, Bruce McDonald is directed it, uh, stars Stephen McCaddy. 
It's a small little film. Another film that is pretty much set in. Yeah, it's pretty uh, much the same thing as like news radio. That, not news radio. Talk, talk radio. radio talk just, radio. Yeah, it's pretty much set in mm-hmm. within. I think it's all one day, isn't it? Actually, mm-hmm. I think it's in like all a one day. Of hours, um, yeah. yeah, radio station. He's pretty much a radio host in a radio station, and outside a zombie outbreak happens, and you got like people calling in with what's going on, and you can you kind of know what's going on from this. But they do such a good job of like you mm-hmm. feel like you're in the middle of it all. Even though you're in a radio station, you don't see a lot of zombie action really until the end, if I, if I remember correctly. Yeah. But it just feels tense and scary the whole time. Yeah. And it's one of the more interesting, it's kind of a silly concept of the zombie, but at the same time, like it kind of works. And you're just like, okay, fine. Like, here we go. Yeah. The actual uh, the concept of this is really like it is kind of s- silly, but it's also like. The kind of twist aspect of what how people are turning into zombies is the most interesting part of, mm-hmm. for me, especially since it deals with radio. Yeah. Because it spews into all of these other kind of concepts without giving away spoilers. Mm-hmm. It's hard to talk about. Yeah. I will say, uh, who's the actor you said again? Stephen McCaddy. He destroys us. Destroys us. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, again, it's DJ. like the, the Bogosian. It's like both yeah. these movies. I mean, there's they both have supporting yeah. characters and, and actors around them, but like really much the, the film on relies them on them. For, if they yeah. were not good, the, the film would fall apart because yeah. a lot of it's like them and their performance and their delivery and their... Um, you get some some great, just great dialogue and, and speeches in this that uh, you know I think are fantastic. And again, if you had a shitty performer, I think the whole thing would fall yeah. apart. This is what I'm I'm looking forward to watching again because I don't know if it was my own expectations that made it fall apart, or if it was actually something that kind of runs out of steam. I, I, we talked about mm-hmm. this. I think it's shocked. I remember over. I loved the first like forty five minutes, and then it just really. Um, Fell on itself for a while. Yeah, and it, it got it, really corny. And I it found. writes itself. I I, I found yeah. at the end a little bit when it mm-hmm. gets into the actual concepts around what's happening yeah. to everybody. But um, it's still like apparently unique. they're doing a, a sequel. Oh. I guess filming now that takes place like right after or something. So I'd be curious. But it's called Monty Pool, the full Monty <laughs> yeah, Pool. Yeah. <laughs> Mont- it's actually uh, Ponty Lake is uh, <laughs> what they're doing. I just remember like I went in with low expectations. I think it was on one of the streaming services. I didn't hear much yeah. about it. I threw it on and was just totally like 10 minutes in. I was just sucked in and blown away by the end of it. So again, another film that is really fucking, I don't think it's had a North American Blu ray release. And I think it had a, f- a region for UK one that is like impossible and yeah. really expensive, hard to find. So, again, hopefully some of these these films kind of get some some good releases because mm-hmm. I'd love to own them. Um, yeah, what's uh, your number five? Well, what, get them in as an NFT on the blockchain, then you'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my um, number five from 1961. The Innocence. Oh, yeah. My first time watching this October, fell in love with this movie. The atmosphere is so spooky and dark, and the misty behind it is so biting. Yeah. There are some scenes that actually made me uncomfortable, like when like there's like a kissing scene that's like, whoo, I couldn't believe a movie from 1961 would make me like cringe a little bit. Like I love this movie so much. Yeah, it really does have uh, yeah. great performances like from children that... And I've now seen... Uh, a, a version of this story as the worst of the year. Bly? No, not Bly. Uh, Bly, I, I quite... I got two two episodes. I watched, in a sense, I tried to watch like a, two episodes into it. I'm like, ah, I, I want to wait. Yeah, maybe that's a good idea. Yeah. I saw The Turning. 
Uh, okay. The Turning okay. is maybe the worst movie I've seen all year. Yeah, that bad, eh? To, to not spoil our, <laughs> our best of 2020. But, the Turning is batshit terrible and awful kid performances. I gotta say, this movie, everyone is turning out 100% even the, even the Mrs. Uh, Gross. Yeah, she's great in this. <laughs> yeah, she's so good. The atmosphere, the spookiness of that house alone is so cool, man. Yeah, yeah, loved it. Absolutely loved it. Cool. Yeah, it's 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 what uh, a great story too. It's uh, if we get to our best of uh, horror of all time. Yeah. Uh, at some point, that this will make my list somewhere. I, I, that's the first time I watched it was this year as well. It was it made my honorable mentions didn't quite make my list, but I did enjoy it as well. Okay, so from 1996, from Olivier, I, I, I never know how to pronounce his last name. Asayas, Olivia Asayas. It's it's a guy that did. You're uh, asking the wrong guys. Personal I think. shopper. <laughs> Does it rhyme with Norris? Yeah, Chuck Norris. <laughs> Uh, anyways, Irma Vep, which is basically Maggie Chung, who's known for being the police story stuff with uh, Jackie Chan. Jackie Chan. She's playing a version of herself coming over to film this French movie that is a remake of Le Vampires. And basically, she gets there. She doesn't speak French. She speaks English. So most of the movies, she's speaking English. Everybody else is speaking in French, occasionally English with her. And the whole thing is this director that was at one point this amazing celebrated French director and it's fucking in like the whole production is falling apart around her and she doesn't know what's going on. It's such a great behind the scenes at movie making that you don't normally see because it gets in the nuts and bolts it's of people's not psychology. Fun? Or is it more like a There's fun aspects of it. Sometimes when she's yeah. shooting these scenes now she's trying to be this vampire and this kind of like she goes to a bondage shop to get her costume. Yeah. This is one of the first things she does when she gets to France. They mm-hmm. take her into this like sex shop and she's huh. and it's for her costume fitting. Huh. <laughs> and it, she's trying to act these things out, but nothing is kind of going right. The director starts having fucking mental breakdowns everywhere. Everyone mm. is fucking, there's so much gossip going around about what's happening in the set, but you also get the inner workings of all of these mechanisms that are happening. It's another one of these movies where I've never really seen anything like it. You know, this is a director that I, I've seen stuff recently and really liked, and they're more as- atmospheric. This one is still kind of, artistic and poetic but in a way that's a little bit more blunt um until you get to the end the end is like they you know i won't give it away but there's like a really cool kind of um very 90s sort of interpretation that i i really really liked there's a lot of blind spots i have with him demon lover and 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 summer hours and uh he's a guy that i knew from carlos i don't know if you guys have seen that it's a it's basically like a three-part movie about this guy that that ended up being a hijacker from Venezuela. That's a fucking amazing. Oh, it's called Car Lost. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that was the first thing. This is as far from that, and everything else I've seen from that isn't very close. So, uh, Irma Vep. Uh, that does sound like a fun, like not a fun movie, but like an interesting, interesting, movie. and like because you see a uh, movie magic behind the scenes of movies, but it's always done in a fun way, like Jay and Silent Bob, or like a My Name Is Dolomite. You never see it like earnestly done, like. What kind of movie, if it's going poorly, has got to be insane. And you get all these like crazy dialogues that are going, yeah. and then she's being interviewed, and I guess the French yeah. 
media is so against this director. So they start interviewing her and like, why can't you come here and make a movie like the movies you make with Jackie Chan? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, uh, well, I, I really respect this guy. Well, no, he makes boring, stupid movies. Like, why would you do this? Uh, like, They're coming at her. And she has to kind of like navigate defend, this. Defend this guy that she yeah. met like two days ago. Yeah. It's interesting. Hmm. All right. Number four, buddy. Okay. Um, so now my number four is the beginning of my noir. Ooh, a top four noir. Yeah, <clears throat> rage here of noir. Um, double indemnity. Oh yeah. Double indemnity from 1944. Um, really interesting uh, noir where I guess this insurance salesman. I guess back then they went door to door to sell you insurance. He ends up in this kind of cute girl's house, woman's house, and uh, he's kind of he kind of is attracted to her. And in, in a kind of flirty way, she kind of like jokes about killing her husband. Barbara Stanwyck, one of the all-time greats. And, and yeah, who's the... Fred McMurray from, uh, was he Father Knows, what was his... Uh, yeah, again, I, I guess I'm kind of learning a lot yeah, of Fred McMurray, movies, who but. was also in The Apartment um, uh, and a few other things, but became more, known as more of like a TV actor in, the in I think, the 50s and 60s. Okay. But um, yeah, so... It, you know, kind of jokingly kill her husband, and then they actually end up planning it with double indemnity, which I guess is this clause where if your husband, if you have this insurance and your husband dies by accident, you can get in this case double the money. Mm. So they and they have it perfectly planned, and it's kind of it feels like a Hitchcock movie in that everything's perfectly yeah. planned out, and it all seems to work out until then. You know, the insurance starts like well. Obviously, they want to look into it because they don't want to pay yeah. double the money like they do, and you know, and, and it gets them investigating. It gets deeper and deeper, and then you know, there's kind of like cat and mouse, going yeah, kind on. of like double twists crossing and, and yeah. twists and turns and everything. And it's just, I don't know. Again, this is why I love about noir. It seems you know, you don't know where it's going, and there's mm. always constant surprises and twists and turns that. I, I didn't expect. It looks great. The acting was great. Yeah, it. Billy Wilder, who is would fight for a top 10 director spot, I think, for me. Oh, uh, it is. Yeah. Okay, yeah. <clears throat> directed this one. And yeah, like this is a great introduction. If you were to, to I think, get into noir and want to see what it's all about, this does a lot. I think I saw The Apartment last year as well, which I enjoyed as well. Yeah, The Apartment. That's about the, the cockroaches that talk. Yeah, I really enjoyed that too. <laughs> yeah, that with cool. uh, Jerry O'Connor. Yeah, yeah, I love that movie, guys. An MTV classic. Was yeah. It MTV? <laughs> yeah, it was MTV. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, again, just... A perfect example of what I'm loving about noir, and this was this was amazing. Again, like this could easily be top 100 for me. It'd be yeah. so hard to do a top 100 now because yeah, ten noir of these movies could fit in there, and yeah, it'd be tough. But uh, yeah, Maddie, your number awesome. four. My number four is completely uh, terrible. Coming off of that, uh, Captain Kronos from uh, 1974. I oh, love nice. this character. It's pretty much uh, the coolest vampire hunter ever. And that being said, there's been a lot of cool vampire hunters. This guy's such a slick, swashbuckling like dude who's kind of roams the English countryside, taking on people with his sword, like battling vampires. It is an awesome adventure, mystery comedy that you really enjoy hanging out with this dude who is just slick as anything, and it takes no shit from everybody. Like I enjoyed this. 
the the worst thing about that film is we never got a sequel. That's exactly what it, like it's I, so good. I could watch five more movies with this guy. Like it's a hammer thing. Horror you film got it, yeah. Like, this is like near uh, the end of the reign. Hypothetically, even if he got a time machine, I would watch him in space. <laughs> right. <laughs> like yeah, I really enjoyed this character. I just remember yeah, I love like all the the gadgets and different weapons mm-hmm. he has, and like they kind of have like you know if you do this at this time or. You know, he's the, the, putting the weapons in the holy water or whatever. You got it. I, I always love mythology in, in films like that and how they mix them up. Like, isn't there something with mirrors or something? Or am I getting that mixed I up? I think you're getting that mixed up a bit. Um, but. but yeah, I, I, I love that film too. It's dope, right? Yeah. Um, my number four is Only Angels Have Wings from 1939, directed by Howard Hawks. Um, Howard Hawks, another very classic director that has... Basically, if you look at Hawks, you've got... His Girl Friday, The Big Sleep, Bringing Up Baby, Rio Bravo, uh, Red River, like, To Have or Have Not, The Thing, like, just yeah. classic, classic. So this was one I, I've seen, uh, you know, people mentioned for years. It stars Cary Grant and Gene Arthur, and you've got kind of Rita Hayworth earlier in her career is there, and Thomas Mitchell from It's a Wonderful Life has a big role. And it's, it's basically the story about this remote location that works as – only almost just like a, a drinking hole and then a place for airplanes to take off to go through this fucking crazy area where they have to go through mountains and all this stuff to freight different cargo to people. And Gene Arthur kind of gets stuck there. Cary Grant is in it, and he's basically a dickhead at hmm. the beginning and playing against type really hard, but everything starts to kind of break down. Like it's this, it's this very kind of cynical worldview that has a little bit more going on on the on the corners. I think it's actually maybe one of Grant's best performances. Hmm. Um, now, does this have like Howard Hawks? He's known for that frantic dialogue and overlapping and everything. Does it have a lot of that? It has a little bit of that in certain scenes. It, it isn't screwball like Bringing Up Baby would be or His Girl Friday. So it's not that howard hawks at all this is it's still comedic but it's much more subdued it's a little bit more action paced but it almost the worldview is is almost so unsympathetic what's the name again uh only angels have wings yes i, I remember looking into this because i thought it was a noir because it sounds like that's totally sounds like it could be noir and then when i looked at the trailer it was and i was like yeah i don't know so i never it's not noir yeah yeah um but and honestly i i think the first half an hour it wasn't what i was expecting either and i kind of went ah, well, maybe mm. this isn't you know this isn't what i'm normally like with hawks and this isn't what i you know thought i was getting he with came Cary around Grant. and and it's funny because i watch holiday and the awful truth which are very much Cary grant the way you know him yeah this one had so much more emotional resonance and also just like there's so much more going on in, in the back end that, that becomes subtly surprising has a fucking great ending. I think the problem with a lot of those older films, like if you want to kind of check to see if it's your thing, like for me, because again, I I pretty much blind buy a lot of movies and just I'll check out the trailer and, and read up on it if it seems like my thing. And like a lot of trailers in the 40s and 50s, like they don't really... They're terrible. Sell the film yeah. very well. Sometimes the tone is way, way different than what the actual film is. Sometimes they're just focusing on an actor or whatever who it, was hot at the time. If you watch it's any of the Hitchcock watch, trailers, yeah. they're rarely like yeah. actually representative of what you're going to get in the yeah. movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. For me, it, it, like a, a lot of 
critics that I, I, I really uh, have followed for many years. This is a big one for them. And I always kind of had it in the back of my mind. And it, it came up on, on the Criterion channel that I've had for the last year, which a lot of this I've been able to watch on there. And now I've subsequently bought this one because it just blew me away is so it much. Criterion put it is there? Criterion now, yeah. Cool. Number three? Breaking into the big the number three here. Uh, number three, another noir from 1953, <laughs> The Big Heat. Yeah, this um, Fritz Lang directed this one, uh, stars Glenn Ford. This is kind of like, there's different kind of noirs. There's kind of the mystery. There's the thriller. This is kind of like the badass detective. This is the hard-boiled detective, yeah, yeah. Poppy. Oh, do they do like the back and forth? Like the air tight man out there, Jimmy? Uh. Well, this is the one like... <laughs> it's, it's owl season. You're walking around saying who? <laughs> <laughs> That kind of shit. <laughs> it, it's kind of what the, the story at, at first. It's like I guess this this cop is killed, but it, it's made it to look like he committed suicide. I believe. Yeah, and then so he starts investigating into it, and then it goes deeper, and then you find there's some corrupt cops, and maybe his wife is on on it, and then he had like um, a woman on the side, and and then but it, as he gets investigates, it's kind of like something you'd see more in films where right now where like. They go after him and his family, and it's like, wow, that is fucking shocking for the t- this. Br- had, this had a couple of really shocking moments. It's Brando's sister, right? That's the wife, and um, uh, is Gloria I Graham the the um, Gloria Graham is the, the the femme fatale? Yeah, she's yeah the the girlfriend. It's, the girlfriend of one of the mob guys. There's a mob, and he's a she's in It's Wonderful Life. She's the kind of. The sultry one, yeah. The vixen, she's, yeah. She's good in this, nice. and, and in this. she's in a in a lonely place with Bogart, which is directed by Nicholas Ray, which would be like yeah. I need to watch that as well. Top, top, top. But and there's a scene too with uh, I'll just say a pot of coffee. I'll never look at coffee the same. <laughs> which again, for the time, was like shit, man. Oh, that's Jack Palance, right? In this one, I don't think so. No, who's the who's the who's the heavy? Um, Sorry, I haven't seen Lee this. Marvin. Oh, maybe it's Lee, Lee Marvin. Right, right, right. He's the not the main boss, but he's like the main second command kind of guy. He's the guy that yeah, yeah. But I knew it was somebody that you still yeah. kind of yeah. know the name if you uh, honestly like. It's funny we're probably the last generation that knows who the fuck Lee Marvin is. But yeah, yeah. but yeah. Anyways, this film was just I, I had a blast with it. I, I love the the bastard. You know, there's a couple other noirs I've really enjoyed just having that that lead detective, and I think this one is one like that. I don't know if the mystery is as interesting and as many twists and turns as some of the other ones, but I still think it was, it's more of almost like a revenge in a sense. Yeah, tale. The, sto- the story's good. Like this one for me is a little bit further down my list just because uh, maybe it doesn't have the same kind of intricate kind of plot. Yeah, it's definitely not, a, or even, I guess you could even argue convoluted some of the noirs are, but... Um, Which I, I love. Even the yeah. shit that I, I'm hoping... Maybe one of these will appear on your list that doesn't yeah, make any fucking maybe. sense. But uh, either way, this is this is probably one of my favorite noirs. It might be, this, yeah, it's one of my favorites. I'll just say that. Awesome. Um, I, I just I just dug it. And again, I, I kind of like that. That's what I like about noir. I mean, you can recommend three, and they kind of all have their own different tones and styles. And yeah, they uh, like th- that's the thing. There there are a lot of different elements to noir. Um, well, I guess because yeah, it's not really a genre; it's more of like a, a style. Really, it, it was basically like a lot of really great directors that were given lower budgets to make some of these these gritty movies. kind of like not always happy ending films. Yeah, you know? they they were they were able to skirt the Hayes Code some way some in some ways that other movies weren't. Mm. 
but yeah, again, if you're if you're getting into noir, I would throw this one on um, for me just because again, the big it's, heat it's different the, uh... Uh, than some of the other ones that are also great. Yeah, it's almost like like the killing is kind of isn't the plot isn't that um, intricate as well. It's kind of like more of a simple heist, but that's what's kind of great about it. This is kind of almost like more of a simple revenge, and then you get into some of the other ones like Laura or. Um, uh, the one I just taught, Double and Denny, those are kind of like more of the twists and turns constantly, you know, throwing you throwing you for a loop every 10 minutes or whatever. So, but yeah, anyways. My number three from uh, 2017, The Killing of a Sacred Deer. Oh, yeah. Love this movie. I don't know how to classify it. It's, <laughs> it's, it's not a horror movie. It's almost like more of like a tense uh I can't it remember. Did I? Did I? Movie? Did I yeah. end up putting this on my list, or did I? I, I think you did. I like. I, don't I, I went back and forth. Yeah. with this one a lot. It's such an interesting movie that, like, you're watching it and like you're drawn into this tense, weird dialogue, uncomfortable situations, but you love it. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Yeah, it's such a well-crafted film, and, and also like he has such a unique directing style. Hmm. Yeah, the, the score, the, the camera angles, everyone in that film acting is doing such a fantastic job with it. It's like, some of the like be, that's like yeah, Colin that's, Farrell, who's who's great in The Lobster as well. But mm-hmm. like he almost finally found a guy that understands what to do with him. Yeah, like he this is his best role like ever. From, yeah, far I think, as I'm concerned. yeah, I think he's he's better in this than he is. In, well, maybe this or Daredevil. I don't know if that's <laughs> <laughs> and lobs and, and yeah. I I think I, I I might prefer the lobster as a movie, but I think I feel terrible. I've yet to see the lobster. I got like 15 minutes in it, and like wife's like, oh, I can't watch. I was like, all right, fair enough. Yeah, the lobster is one of those yeah. like I hated it, but I was thinking about it. Like, sorry, I wish I I hated it, but fuck, man, yeah. that is a dark, depressing movie. But it like well, it well, leaves you. Thinking have you seen about Killing it. of Sacred Deer? I haven't yet? seen no. it again yeah. because the lobster. Kinda... Speaking like this is definitely the park yeah. movie, but like you have zero idea where this movie is going to go. You're you've seen it. Dog Tooth. I've seen Dog Tooth. Yeah. You, have you seen any of his but the lobster? No, just the lobster. Oh, so you I haven't seen the favorite. Uh, neither of you have seen the favorite either. No, no, no. That's just actually that's on Disney right now. I should probably check it's that out. It's on Disney because they just got stars. Oh, I was like, what yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. fuck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How is that yeah, on Disney? I, I just noticed that they got the like, all right, put it in my list and I'm going to check it out. But yeah, that's fantastic. Like, I, like he's, he's of the last 10 years, easily top five this, director. You have zero idea where it came from or where it's going to go. That's How good I is the fucking kid movie. in this, too? He is amazing. Yeah, I was really, I really enjoyed this movie. My number three is Bunny Lake is Missing from 1965. It's uh, directed by Otto Preminger. Um, it's basically this sister and brother move move to England, and uh, they don't know anybody there, and she takes her daughter to school that, that day, drops her off, comes to pick her up. She's missing. And her name is Bunny. So everyone after a while, just starts thinking this woman is fucking crazy. There is no record of Bunny. of of Bunny anywhere. Bunny doesn't exist, and the whole time you're unsure is like it, uh, there's a detective that gets involved, Lawrence Olivier. He's f- fantastic in this, and he's you know you can tell he's trying to like believe, but also at the same time everything is pointing him in the yeah. r- wrong direction. But 
there's an intensity to it. The whole way it's shot, the the kind of formal elements of it are are so so well done. Preminger is like from this. I I, I now feel like you've got Laura, which you talked about earlier. Uh, Autonomy of Murder. I've I've seen a few others where the sidewalk ends. He probably, for me, in that 40 to 60s range needs to, like, I need to see way more because this is fucking great. The yeah. ending is batshit. It, it has kind of psycho over, overtones uh-huh. a little bit. Um, definitely influenced by, by that, but maybe the best movie I've ever seen influenced by that. Yeah, I, I'm kicking myself because awesome. I almost picked up like the limited edition version of it so yeah. many times, and I was like, I would always end up getting something else because I just didn't know enough about it, other than the basic. Plot, I got the indicator one. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, I think that that's still probably the best one. But I think even they put out originally when they first released it, it's like it's even more limited. Like it's like a different case. I never heard about this movie. Like, I don't know why it no. was a blind spot mm-hmm. for me. And honestly, it was it was early in the pandemic. I'm pretty sure I watched this on, a, on like a Sunday morning, and just was like, "This is this good, right?" Like you're watching something that's that's like blowing special. your fucking mind. Special. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I yeah, like as everything on this list, highly recommend. Yeah, yeah. Bunny Lake is missing, but I was l- looking through this. I was like, a lot of these other movies are way more like Harold. Than that one that I've 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 you got a lot of obscure numbers on there. Don't There's you? a few that are yeah. like uh, the big clock. This and what was the one? Uh, a hard winter. Hard winter. Hard winter is definitely the most obscure out of uh, mm. out of all of them. But th- those three, like they're all known. They're not like but unknown not movies. Like the, uh, hey, check this out. Yeah. Yeah, th- this is one I definitely do want. I see. feel like this is like totally up both of your alleys as well. Like so I remember watching this and being like, "Oh fuck, we should do an episode on this fucking movie." <laughs> Hmm. Well, Interesting. Next, next week, it's that fucking it. good. <laughs> let me steal it next week. I'll go. I'll do like my uh, noir April, April noir. Okay, my number two, my other Woody Allen pick from 1993. Oh, uh, Matt Manhattan. Manhattan Murder Mystery, another Diane Keaton actually huh. and Woody Allen movie. Hmm. Um, you have Alan Alda, Alda, Alan Alda from uh, Mash fame. Uh, in an Angelica Houston as their friends, and they try to set them up. There's also kind of maybe a romance between Diane Keaton and Alan Alda. But the the plot of this one is they're coming home. Woody Allen and Diane Keaton are married couple, and they they meet their new neighbors, kind of an older couple. They they go over have like pie or whatever, and you know they enjoy their time. They go to bed and they wake up the next day, and she she dies apparently of a heart attack, and they are just can't believe this. More so his wife because she seems so healthy and fine that how you know. So they start thinking that this guy murdered her and investigating it again. More Diane Keaton, I think Woody Allen's like keeps on thinking, you're crazy. Like you can't yeah. do this. Like she's breaking into his apartment and getting like way out of their element. Yeah. And you know, but then he starts like they find sense and he starts like maybe ah maybe she's onto something. And it's just, I don't know, man. This movie was just a fucking blast. I've never been so entertained in a long time. Like, it was almost a perfect film for me from beginning to end. I was so entertained about... I just love, like, where these people are out of their element trying to be play detectives. Like, there's I, a lot of great movies. Like, I actually lied earlier, mm-hmm. or no, un- unknowingly lied. I believe this is the first Woody Allen movie I saw as a kid. And like, I think it's a great one to start off together, with, buddy. to be yeah. honest. I think it'd be a great, if you haven't really watched Woody Allen, to, to get people to get into him. Just because it has kind of that murder mystery detective element to it, but then you're also getting you know him I've still being the same neurotic. I, I have always you know. felt like this one was uh, an underrated. Like It doesn't really get talked about in the same way that 
you know, crimes, misdemeanors or radio days or Z league mm. or midsummer's sex comedy or, or even bananas or sleeper. Like there's Manhattan, you know, the, the, the top tier Woody like, Allen like all, this one always seems like, Oh yeah, it was good for like the nineties. Like it, it wasn't, you know, mighty Aphrodite that we gave awards to, but is actually dog shit yeah. sort of deal. Right. Well, I could see why, I mean, Annie Hall is more of, something the Oscars would love than this kind of like silly murder mystery. But I, I don't know. That's why I loved it. But I love these type of murder mystery films. And this was like melding that with just his amazing dialogue and character. And yeah, man. Uh, yeah. I just had a blast with it from beginning. And, and you like kind of the supporting character. Angelica Houston's really fun in it too. And Alan Alda's great in it. And yeah, it's, it's just, it, it was uh, amazing and uh, highly, highly recommend for me. Awesome. But yeah, I definitely need plan on checking out more Woody Allen because these are the only two I got to that year and I loved both of them. So. He made a movie every year for fucking 40 yeah. years basically. It's crazy how like many movies that guy actually made, right? I've seen now probably like 30 plus. They're not all good. No, <laughs> no probably not. Like, yeah. I, you can't keep looking up at, that kind of... I think of, I'm going to love Crimes and Misdemeanors mm-hmm. and I think I'm going to love Broadway... What is it, Danny? Bullets over Danny, Broadway. Are, are Rose or Dan, uh, Broadway Danny Rose? I think so. I know. I, like, I've checked out a trailer for a lot of his movies, and some of them, you know, didn't look that as interesting to me, and there is definitely a handful that. In Radio Days, actually, I did pick up that one um, from Twilight Time. So there, there's definitely a handful that looked like they would be my thing. So I'm kind of excited to at least dive into those ones. Like, the, the 70s one are usually the, like, pure funny ones like everything before Annie Hall is just like they're comedies yeah you know? proper and then he starts blending Bergman and yeah. and, and, and his love for you know other other things into all all the movies but I also love his character too is, is always kind of like he's usually kind of the dickish like he's not necessarily the nice guy in his films and he's no he's also kind of the arrogant and kind of like he, he thinks he's better than when everyone I find in a lot of his films, but I don't know. I kind of like that about him. <laughs> Why would you like that? <laughs> I got to wonder. Uh, so number two from a 2016, we talked about this in our top 25 of the decade, Raw. This movie oh, yeah. is unflinching. So this is the movie that I feel like I maybe didn't credit enough. Oh, yeah? During the... Because uh, Dur- I just watched it when we yeah. did the 25. I think I watched it that week. Okay. okay and I kind okay. of, okay. Uh, you know, we, we had watched a million yeah. of these and I'd watched yeah, a bunch yeah, of yeah. crap and a bunch of really great stuff. I was actually thinking about this. On surface, the plot of this seems so stupid. Yes. A uh, young vegetarian goes to a uh, veterinarian school to uh, learn about herself and her life and what have you. And uh, she uh, develops unsatiable appetites. Which seems stupid, but you kind of delve into it. Like, it's insane. Like, I don't think I've ever seen a university movie, uh, like a coming of age tale. The university stuff is so, so well point. done. Yeah. Because the way that university is usually like, like the way that it's claustrophobic. Yep. It really gets you, right? And it's, I remember being there. When you mm. first go to university, it's fucking. Or terrifying. college, and it, and it, it is claustrophobic. You're in these yeah. spaces that are smaller for the amount of people they're putting in because yeah. they're running you through, but normally there's not that many people there. Yeah. But when you watch the coming-of-age movies based in college or universities, you don't you don't see that. You do not. You have an entire dorm room to yourself. Yeah. And that, but yeah, it's, it's crazy. What do I have written here? A coming-of-age cannibalistic story. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Like, again, I didn't see where this movie was going to go. 
Yeah, we, I, I t- like I put yeah. her new movie on. Uh, I can't wait to see what she's doing. I think yeah. I, like our, the last episode, I briefly yeah. talked about how excited you were about the. I'm just dying uh, to one. see what she's going to do next because I, I do feel like I'm going to watch this one and there's again, which I may do this year actually. I think this is going to like uh, increase upon further viewings. Like, I, I think it's going to go further up my list as uh, I agree. it goes on. I yeah. think there's a lot of like un behind the thin veil of this movie. There's a lot of like things that's unsaid about this, about yeah. like uh, women's sexuality and coming of age and all that fun stuff. So, so that's your number two. Number two. Uh, so my number two is the Last Picture Show by Peter Bogdanovich, uh, which also you know I've been. Uh, listening to you must remember this I don't know if you guys have ever heard of this podcast it goes into the, a lot of old Hollywood uh, over the la- last century and, and the stories the only podcast I listen to is the movie City Maniacs <laughs> <laughs> I, I highly doubt that one I actually probably only listen to like three podcasts now and this is yeah. one of them and, and she did a whole series on Polly Platt Katrina Longworth and it's it's really, really interesting how she worked with Bogdanovich with all these movies, and basically when she stopped, because Bogdanovich, they were married, and Bogdanovich, yeah. during this movie, left her for Sybil Shepherd. Um, but she kept working with him. And, and they made pro, all, these, eh? all, these, all these great movies. I'd never seen this movie. It's, it's been known as like one of these quintessential coming of age it's based in texas a small town i'm surprised you watched what was it a uh, talk radio and not this in school like yeah. this was a one that came like <laughs> i've never seen this one you've seen this one yeah they showed a media class i don't remember yeah um hmm. it's it, it's it's in it's filmed in gorgeous black and white um it stars uh timothy bottoms who hasn't done too much but it also stars jeff bridges and sybil shepherd and cloris leachman and ellen bernstein um, and they're all fantastic in this. Everybody is fucking amazing in this movie. And it, it goes into the inner workings of how a small town kind of works. All the glory and all of the kind of despair, it's all wrapped up together. Jeff Bridges, you could just tell he's going to be a star. Yeah, you know. So have you seen this since high school? No. The last time they watched it was in, yeah, grade 11? Yeah, India, I, 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 would, I would highly... Check like, it out again. Check eh? it out again. It's phenomenal. Like for him to make this, this is why Bogdanovich basically he made very little scene movie. I think it's Targets before this, and then he made Paper Moon and uh, What's Up Doc, which were kind of screwballs, and then just fucking fell off the face of the yeah. earth, and, and basically just became a film historian. Uh, this has such a fucking amazing sense of scene and vibe. It's weird because it's what like eighty four. 71. 71. Wow. Cause it's black and white. Like, yeah. Yeah. Weird. It doesn't feel like, it feels like a modern movie. Yeah. It's still well, the, not modern movie, but, but, but yeah, if, yeah. if, if, if it, it does, it does, I think, uh, in terms of editing style mm. and a lot of those stuff, it, it's, he's in the, the new wave, yeah. the seventies new wave for sure. Anyways, that's my number two. Awesome. Cool. Uh, my number one. Can I guess? Yeah. You're, what is you it? know it. The big sleep. Yeah, from 1946. Nice. Again, another noir. You gave it away once you started talking about convoluted plots that make no sense. Yeah. Um, well, my list is kind of <laughs> pretty obvious. Anyways, a lot of noirs. This potentially is is my f- favorite noir as well. It's very close. Yeah, I think it's my favorite. Um, directed by Howard Hawks. Um, yeah, like I think, 
Yeah, there, there's some th- there's some plot holes and stuff, and and some characters that just kind of disappear and whatever. Doesn't um, matter, does it? No. <laughs> what movie can you say that? <laughs> yeah. Major mistakes don't fucking I feel, matter. I feel like I need to watch Maltese Falcon again because that was kind of like the one that was like, ah, oh, this this film type is interests me. But I don't know if I put that as high as a lot of people. Like a lot of people put that number one, and I think I do need to revisit that. But like this film, like I thought hum- Humphrey Bogart was fantastic in it. He's got so many great one-liners and yeah, just the dialogue in it's just awesome. This is Lauren Bacall. Is this the first movie they did? Together? No, To Have and Have Not is the first okay. movie, which she has like in To Have and Have Not. She is one of the best introduction. Like you'll watch that movie and be like. Oh, the cartoons have been parodying this woman for fucking 60 years here. because of that movie. Um, now, I think they were married. No, well, they were, but not. they met on Tab and Ab. Not, oh, okay. uh, Bogart was married to uh, another woman that they w- hadn't been happy for like a decade, barely like lived together. He was always wherever. And he met Bacall and that, that kind of, they were together. The, yeah, because the they did a bunch life. of movies together, I believe. I, I will say like, I liked her in this. I didn't love her character in this. I mean, mind you, she's kind of like, she doesn't have as much to do. Like, to me, Humphrey Bogart stood out a lot more in this film than, than she did. I That's probably, like, fair. I, I like her in this movie a lot. Um, I feel like I saw her in something else that I liked more. Whatever, it doesn't matter. But, um, yeah, th- this is just, again, it's another noir where uh, the basic story of this is... He's hired by some rich, rich old man, I believe, to pay off gambling debts that his daughter owes to someone. Right, yeah. But his other daughter, who is Bacall, stops him as he's leaving and says, like, he really hired you because he wants you to find this this man that disappeared that was, like, a good friend of his. Or was he a caretaker? Something he worked for him, I believe. Or, Anyways, it's this big ever-evolving plot and like every 10 minutes there's something else and you're like it's almost like it is a little bit almost confusing at times but not overly so like I don't think you're going to be like what is going on here like I think you can make sense of it but there is kind of like a character that will disappear I think that's why it works like even though if you go back and you listen you actually go deep dive this plot and go that doesn't really make sense (laughs) the movie always makes sense to you in your brain yeah. And he's just so, he's such a fucking badass see, in it. See, and, I almost, like, no. when you mentioned the big heat, I was like, I wonder, like, and I was going to be like, oh, you should watch the Maltese, uh, oh, you watch the Maltese. For me, the Maltese Falcon is almost like that movie, but a little bit, like, more twisty or something like that. The uh, big heat? The Maltese Falcon compared to the big heat. Like, Bogart hmm. is just like, but I think, on fire. I don't know. Yeah, I think, I don't know. I feel like they're different, though. Like, I feel like the big heat is, Literally, that lead guy going and kicking ass and shooting people and getting revenge while trying to solve a mystery. Whereas I think Maltese Falcon is is yeah, it's a little a little bit more he's like not, like he's the, not much of his badass. He's like a, he's intelligent and he you know always gets the upper hand on people, but he's not. It's still like that badass detective yeah, sort of yeah. part of the genre. You're right; it's not as action based. Yeah, yeah. I think that's I think that's the big difference. Is I feel like the big heat out of all the noirs I've seen other than maybe The Killing, but that's even more heist than action. Like, I think those two were the most kind of action-packed, I guess, if you could say, whereas right. a lot of these other ones are, are more mystery murder. Um, but either way, I, I love this movie. Um, it's easily going to be top 100. I'm excited to revisit again. But yeah, again, like out of all the, the you know, the lore, the big heat, the killing, um, like th- this one... Um, it's it, 
I, and even Maltese Falcon are all like high, high, high recommended. Like yeah. all, all, uh, that's the thing with what you've seen with Noir now. Even the stuff that, uh, like we were talking about earlier, that have been on the fringe, you're still watching what people would consider all of them top fifty Noirs. Yeah. I don't like. I just watched one this year, which I don't know if I should spoil because it might be on my list <laughs> next year. I guess that's a year. But like Kansas City Confidential, I don't know how high that up is. Yeah, like that still appears. I, on I a lot love of, that. Like yeah. I put that pretty high up on my list. Um, even like the the one I recommended because it's cheap, it, his gun is quick or something like that. Like I had a lot of fun with that. That it's, one probably wouldn't be. It's yeah. not, uh, you know, I'm not going to say that's this amazing movie, but I had fun with it. I just think these movies just deliver interesting characters, great villains. Usually they look great. And there's always like cool action and dialogue. The, the dialogue, there's always like... Well, they got all these like one-liners these and great, great writers to, and, to do yeah. them. And... and uh, you really got to see these were the movies in the 40s and the 50s that guys had a little bit more free reign to make. Yeah. And uh a bit more like stylish, a bit more Yeah, there's a little more stylish and then and then you also have like Howard Hawks who was as big as you can mm-hmm. get as a director yeah. and made huge movies and then he dabbles in the genre as well and it kind of elevates. It it's uh, for me I, wa- I started watching Hitchcock and then I I started watching these movies that supposedly were kind of like peers of that and they were yeah. all kind of in this area for the most part like there were some like you wouldn't say to have and have and odd is a noir but it still kind of follows some of the same sort of dialogue and that that got me into it and, and really uh I, I did this is what i love uh, about film though, where there's this whole again not genre but whatever you want to call this group of films that i haven't seen anything and there's like hundreds of them and at least probably 50 great ones. And it's like, this is so fun, like discovering yeah. these movies. Yeah. Even Hitchcock. I still haven't seen a lot of Hitchcock and I'm loving going through I, I was I was interested that you didn't put uh, Notorious? Notorious on yours. Yeah, that, that was an honorable mention as well. I think Notorious is a really well-made film, but I don't, I wasn't as entertained by that. Like to me, again, anytime I make my list are the films I'm going to go back to again and again. And I love that. Like I really enjoyed that movie. Yeah, it's not a movie I'm going to probably go back to again and again just because of its subject matter. It's not necessarily a fun movie. It's a really well made. And it's so weird because film. it's become like my like in the last ten years, probably the one I've watched the most. Oh yeah, hmm. I've seen in the last ten years that three times. Maybe only Rear Window have I seen that many times. But I picture you as a guy that is going to return more to those deeper kind of. And again, we talked about Notorious. I think on the, on 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 the, when we get to that episode, yeah. I wasn't that the first time I saw it. I was like, "Oh, this is good," because I was watching fucking yeah, a ton, twenty of them in in like a three span months month period. And it's the one that's grown because it, it there is more like fun stuff. Claude Rains is so good in yeah. it, but yeah, I thought I thought that might. But it is kind somewhere. of um, what's uh, fuck? I'm trying to search. I'm getting a notorious Big biopic. <laughs> <laughs> what's uh, yeah? It's kind of isn't it like Ingrid Bergman getting treated like shit for like she most definitely of the film? She, yeah like that's the thing they all treat yeah. but she's still a strong character no yeah again like i think it's a well-made movie but again that's that it's it's not necessarily a fun watch throughout a lot of even yeah even carrie grant is not necessarily he's pretty terrible Actually, to her, only you know. angel have wings and notorious is is probably the closest carrie grant yeah uh to not being Cary Grant. I think I just I enjoy fun Cary Grant. He's like George, the George Clooney of his time. Like I just, he just seems. But like think a, about George like Clooney. Guy. George Clooney makes 
mainly like not fun roles. But that's what I mean. Yeah, there was a time when he was doing yeah. more fun stuff. But he I, just I, seems like a fun guy to hang out with in real life. Wait, wait Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, George Clooney. <laughs> I actually think George Clooney. We are owed a, a Cary oh. Grant career, and we never got it. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I don't think he necessarily picked as good of roles and movies like he I think okay what Out of Sight was pretty awesome yeah Out of Sight is is like the one that you go fuck yeah. he should be the new Cary Grant I actually love we're getting soft track here the, the Solar, Solaris yeah. remake I know that's uh, uh, crazy to I've people I've never seen either of them I haven't seen uh, I, I've seen both they're both good for different reasons but I love that remake but anyways um, I just what do you do you think Hitchcock has done any noirs and which ones would you like do you consider strangers because that, that's hard when I was making my list on Letterboxd like I'm kind of ranking my noirs as I watch them and Hitchcock is one of those guys like he's almost his own genre that so, like so yeah like where do I fit strangers you, in a train you notorious could, you, you know no, strangers in a train notorious shadow of a doubt are the ones that I would consider uh, maybe part of that mm-hmm. what about uh, um, what's the is it th- 39 steps? No, 39 steps I wouldn't. It's still a spy thing. Yeah, I, I think those are the ones. Notorious, like Notorious is spy, but like shot very much like But I'm talking, what's the original, or sorry, Man Who Too Knew Too Much, the original version, like that kind of feels mm, It's kind of like I think it's still and, maybe proto-noir, yeah. well, like in the way it's shot and stuff. Like there, like you, you could probably make an argument with a bunch of his, but I think the mm-hmm. only ones that are like probably Notorious... It, it it definitely feels looks like a lot of the noirs. Stranger on a Train, which looks less like noirs, but has the story. Mm-hmm. Shadow of a Doubt might be the closest noir. Which okay, I don't know if I've seen yet. Which was Hitchcock's favorite movie? Yeah, actually, I, I I went through a lot of been going through a lot of Hitchcock, so I'm surprised none of them made my list. But I think a lot of them have been the ones I really loved. I've seen before. Ah, I'd have to think about it. Maybe I missed some Hitchcock. Um, cause well, I've been going through his stuff and really digging most of it for the, for the most Yeah. Part. Like he's fucking brilliant. Uh, yeah, like the, yeah. the guy I'm going to talk about a bunch, uh, at my I, number again, one. I think we've just uh, been doing all these like best of 2020 and best yeah. of the decade. And it's like, I just want to watch like these films, but I never feel like I have time for them. Like even now I'm, I'm just like, well, I guess I got to watch 2020 cause we're running out of time. Yeah, and it's aren't like, we I, I all just, glad that we don't have to <laughs> Keep watching 2020, yeah. even yeah. though I think I've had a better year than you. But yeah, I, I yeah, spoilers. Yeah, <laughs> we'll we'll talk about it next next uh, episode. Uh, Maddie, what's your number My one? Number one. While well, we briefed it uh, with you, uh, Heather's from 1988. Oh yeah, I love how slick and the darkest of comedy movies I think I've seen in a while. Like I really enjoyed this. I love every character. Yeah, I don't know what else to say. Another one that I've owned for the longest time and haven't watched. Oh, you haven't checked it out? Because, again, I, I thought it was going to be this depressing school shooting movie, and then it I heard it's not. not. Oh, not like, at all. It, it, it should be, but it's pretty much just a bunch of, like, uh, like a high school uh, it's so dynamics. Re- and it's so kind of postmodern in its mm-hmm. approach with everything. It's it's fun. Like It's it, crazy. This is from 1988. Like, this should have been, like, in, like, the late 90s, as far as I'm concerned. Like, it, it's, it's way like, ahead of slick, its time. Yeah. I think that's why, probably, like, I, I never heard it from it, because I think... For some people, it might have just been like a little bit too above where yeah. it was. Honestly, like I rewatched all those '80s movies, and other than say anything, I think this was my second yeah. favorite. It's awesome. It's awesome. It was a. It was ahead of all and, the Hughes movies. Every character kind of knows what they're doing, which is very unlikely. And like the, the '90s movies, like these characters have no idea what they're going for, but every character in this knew exactly what they were doing. Yeah, which is crazy because it really hasn't been done before, which is kind of dope. Hmm. 
Yeah. So I get I get the number one, eh? You guys want to hear my Christopher Slater, Christian Slater uh, First Nation? Could do it. <laughs> um, greetings and salutations. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Thank you. Thank you. Um, my number one is from 1965. It's Perot Le Fou. Uh, it is Jean-Luc Godard's movie, basically, that ends... Sorry, that's the name of it? Perot Le Fou. Okay. Hmm. Uh, it, it is basically... So Godard has like a, a stretch of movies from 1960 to 1965 where he's basically making two movies a year. Oh, wow. He's making one so it can go on the Venice Film Festival and one that can go on the Berlin fi- f- Film Festival. Oh, and he's insane. fucking working his ass off and deconstructing everything. And he's a guy, I, I know Kyle, you, you, you just kind of wrote about Citizen Kane and how you had to watch it in school, um, in college. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, Godard was that a little bit for me. I'd watch Breathless. I'd watch Band Apart. Breathless made an impact, but it was one of those things where I, I, I felt like medicine. A little bit like you're. Uh, I've watched like thirty movies, and I'm gonna write about this thing, and I'll just write what I need to. And he's been my discovery. My oh my god, this guy is greatest ever. He deconstructs film in a way. He'll take on a sci-fi movie in this. He'll take on a heist movie in this. He'll take on a gangster movie in this. He'll take on a traditional kind of like Breckian theater thing in this one they're always of the time but they always feel so forward thinking in where they're where they're going Perola Lafru is the one that encapsulates it all he's Anna Karina who he was married to who's in all of those movies early on and John Paul Belmondo who's in his movies and and John P. Merrillville and all these great French directors they're the stars of this movie and Karina and him are divorcing while this is going on. And this movie is like an adventure movie. It's like a journey movie. It's like a fucking gangster movie. But he doesn't care about the plot. All he cares about is deconstructing that in these, um, like this, and creating this world and creating, and it's all his life that's interacting with this. There's almost nothing I've ever seen like this. I've been thinking about it for fucking eight months. That long, eh? It has, by far, so there's 10 through 2 that I watched, or that I put on my list, and there's 1. All the other ones, I don't care what order they're in. You could go anyway. This was this isn't my number 1 pick. It hasn't moved since Kyle was like, hey, we should do our top 10 discoveries in November or whatever. Oh, that's crazy. It's been that, like, lingering, eh? You could deconstruct this forever. It, it it has a basic story of like a guy that's married that wants to like that isn't happy there, and then meets this babysitter. But they're like kind of the same age, so it's all surreal. But it's fun. His movies are fun. That's the other thing. Uh, up until a point, like that's he eventually, uh, which I haven't seen anything past like nineteen seventy two, becomes so disenfranchised with movie making and the world and capitalism, he just starts deconstructing it to a point of oblivion. Um, I've seen one of the movies. They're basically like these visual essays that like Uh, break your brain. He's so brilliant. Yeah, doing two movies a year for uh, five to six years. You kind of (laughs) lose. Yeah, like you eventually may lose the script on why people loved you in the first place. But I think that stretch, that stretch is the greatest stretch in movie history, I'm pretty sure now after Mm. a 
you know, I left out all of his other movies that I watched last year, Contempt, A Woman is a Woman, and, and a few others that I, I'd gone through. I think he was my most watched director of, of 2020, basically because this stood apart. I've always, I've, I've watched Breathless multiple times since school, Ban Apart, I, I'd watched and, I, and really appreciated them, but this was the year that I really fell in love. Awesome. Hmm. Cool, yeah, it, it sounds... Uh, it sounds actually kind of yeah. dope. It's a mind fuck. Like, it, 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 it takes you into a world, and if you're just following the plot, you'll kind of be like, wait, what? Like, yeah. now they're just shooting everyone and everyone is dead? Or, like, like yeah. he doesn't give a fuck about any of that, and he's constantly just circumventing what you think should happen. The other th- crazy thing is, you know, you have Tarantino and all these guys that utilize aspects of what he's done but no one's actually ever taken over from his thing in the 60s it was so unique and individual mm-hmm. you can say you know hitchcock has a million disciples yeah even the guys that love godard don't really fucking touch it they just can't at yeah. this point which is crazy mm-hmm. so I, I haven't seen any of these movies i gotta check them all out is what you're yeah, saying I, I own breathless i've never yeah watched it i think that's his first movie is is, uh and and kind of broke editing style and and the way you you make something they also just feel like very present with these people these actors because a lot of it was improvised and spontaneous well and then he would go fucking ape shit constructing the movies afterwards so they're very meticulously made afterwards not while they're being made yeah sounds amazing what a crazy year it's been. It seems like we have um, gone all over the gambit. <laughs> so, Maddie, your number one was? Heather's. Okay, I got uh, The Big Sleep and... Perot Le Fou. There we go. That's uh, an eclectic kind of uh, I feel a high school comedy, dark comedy, high school. Yeah. And, I, I, like, a noir and what I, I, I like about all these is, well, two of them, like Kyle's and my pick, would be you know, top 50 of all time, if not top 25 all time. Mm-hmm. And then yours was one of my discoveries that I, I just left off, like would have been yeah. like 13 Almost or 12 there, right? or whatever. So we're all figuring shit out. What yeah. I like is like, you guys pretty much watch a bunch of shit from the 50s and 60s. And here I am like, you know, it's awesome. Bad Lieutenant. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, like I, I came, I, you know, as you guys talked, I've added a couple from each of your list yeah, to, to my watch list. Out. I mean, I'm not saying I'll probably, I'd like to check them all out, but yeah. you know, some movies are definitely more, more my style. So, um, yeah, no, I, I think it's, uh, that's, what's fun about doing if this. Anybody out there has found some gems that are, uh, Things that we need to check out. Yeah, what were your discoveries? Of, email of us at uh, moviecitymaniacs at gmail.com. Or Jemmy Studio Maniacs at moviecitymaniacs.com. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> it. <laughs> um, you can find us on Facebook. Search Movie City Maniacs. <laughs> or Movie 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 at Mook 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 you fucking guys. <laughs> <laughs> or actually, we should have a Twitter. Um, uh, Instagram. Yeah. I'm, I'm on Instagram. Movie City Maniacs. I'll be on there once we're posting these up again. I'll, yeah, I'll I got to get these up. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I, always, I I hate the end of the podcast because that means now I have to somehow find time to edit. It's yeah. fun recording and preparing and watching movies, but the editing is. Hey, I this dread. one you'll get to hear about a bunch of movies that. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. You can discover in 2021. Yeah. Well, we'll see y'all next week with our best of 2020. Yeah. I've been tired this episode, but next episode, I'm just going to be bitter and angry. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm gonna come like drunk and it's like, oh, I don't fucking care. Yeah, I don't man. care. You guys do your list. Fuck care anymore. <laughs> but yeah, we'll be back, guys. Thanks for listening. Stay scared. All right. Yeah. I can say, what's that over there? It's a discovery. <laughs> 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 I've discovered how much I despise both you and <laughs> the past. <laughs> Anyways, the, I don't want to say too much of the plot, but pretty much there's. Um, uh, that's basically what happens. Yeah. <laughs> what what is it? It's um or uh, unkur hiver is pro- I, I, is usually I'm I don't start th- like kissing up your arm like Marticia Adams with that pronunciation maybe. <laughs> <laughs> start playing the violin so you'll notice me. <laughs>